0: Hello, how dare you, artists and farts, It's <laughs> us again, Jordan and Mo, <laughs> and we have a little piece of information for you guys here. Since our episodes have totally gotten out of hand and so humongously they've, they've, they've long, gotten, they've gotten a little long, yeah. <laughs> Just a little piece of information on where to find what, Mr. Jordan Prince. What yes. can listeners expect of today's episode?
1: So basically, Mo and I are going to talk for a little while about a bunch of cool things before we get to our interesting interview with Eileen. If you are a big fan of Eileen and would like to skip directly to the interview, depending on the app that you use, you can go down to the chapter notes, which Mo has conveniently arranged for us, and you can click right on the interview and go directly to it. So you can either listen all the way through, which is the preferred method of listening, of course, but if you're in a rush and you just want to check out what she's talking about you can skip right to it in the chapter notes so just for your information
0: and we got stuff on we got updates on your newest album we talk about movies and a lot of other artsness and fartsness and lederhosen and schnapps you can find
1: all these interesting topics in your chapter notes you can skip right to the piece that you want to hear first
0: and then I would say Jordan Prince band give us our intro sound
1: okay. Cool. Well, hi. Hi. Hola. <laughs> Hola. Hola. ¿Cómo estás, Mr. Moabachayar? Man, I got some... Um, well, first, before I just jump into my news, I guess, like the updates I had um, yesterday from the record label, I want to ask how you are, because you did this... We're, we're drinking this really delicious gin that you got from the Algoi Yeah. today. And um, wh- when did you do this tasting and where was it?
0: Um I think or as far as I remember, we have talked about this kind of TV show I did in the right. Aldoi over the summer. Mm-hmm. And we did our last um episode this Saturday. So short recap for you guys who haven't um listened to that. There's this one club called Herba in Obersdorf. And obviously because of Big Rona, like Every <laughs> <Big Club>. other <Rona. laughs> they had to close, and they came up with an idea to start a live stream, but not just setting up a GoPro and doing DJ sets, but bringing a full show. Mm-hmm. And out of this stupid idea, they really um, it really went into a full show mm-hmm. with high production costs, etc. And we managed to get sponsors, etc. Right, and we did it four times now, and it was great, and many people watched it. Like, I guess, minimum 5,000 per stream up to 12,000 or That's something. That's amazing, man. Super, super cool. Um, and we did it four times and we stopped it now. Maybe there will be another one, something like a Christmas special or something. Ah, but there's no, there's no like, hosting site where people could watch them still? Uh, there is, actually. There's kind of a... You can watch all four episodes on... Herbar, like with like h o e r b a r dot simple we could link that if you want to. Yeah, there are also um, there. great uh, live acts, um, music live acts in there, and some interesting interviews with um, sports people, media people, uh, comedians, etc. Maxi Schafroth was there on Saturday. He was there on Saturday. Yeah, and he was so nice. We had a that's so nice. We had very much fun. And yeah, we, we did it four times, and now we stopped because of the production cost. It's about fifteen thousand euros per stream per show.
1: The the cost to of
0: production and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Because it's that's... it's produced like an actual TV show, um. And that's the thing. You can watch it there. Um. It's been great fun. I um would love if you if you if you if you watch a little piece of that, and maybe if you like it, you can still um. Give some money because then we can pay our technicians, etc.
1: Yeah, that's really cool.
0: To get back to the topic on the last episode, you cannot see the bottle here, but I could shake it. <laughs> what, whatever's experience. left of it, yeah. <laughs> and there is this um, distillery um, in the Allgäu, which do great um, local spirits, like, you know, the Ancian, etc. And It's different- from the same company that does that.
1: Yeah. or they do their own N C N. They
0: thing. do their own NCN. Ah, okay. you, I, I guess you've also seen this one. It's not the the one you know in those in those big like pottery. the ceramic bottles. Yeah, right. um, but they also do do. <clears throat> um, they're a great. Discovery. I think I might
1: have this brand of and seen it at my house right this is this is their logo
0: I, guess I have that one at yeah. my house right and it's great oh that's right it is really good and um, the, how do you call it the chef distiller I don't know like the like the main distillery yeah okay. uh, the, the guy who, who basically runs it oh okay uh, does okay. it in fourth generation like head, and he's really passionate about this craftsmanship etc and only mm-hmm. the best ingredients etc yeah and um, they started um making gin Mm -hmm. awesome gin and they said like yeah gin there is a trend for gin since years Mm -hmm. Um, especially i don't know how how it's been in the states but until i would say 10 or 15 years ago gin in germany was some sort of spirit for old Mm -hmm. man like right. old man would drink it at a bar, but not a fancy drink, you would not mix it with with um, stuff, etc. Right. And they're doing their kind of special thing by mixing in local ingredients. Like for example, um hay from the and herbs from from the from the mountains. The same they feed or where, where the cows feed from where they you get this awesome milk from mm-hmm. or um, this one we drink is um, distilled. You can maybe hear it um, with stone pine. <sighs>
1: this is really great, man. We added some rosemary in there. It's a really some
0: rosemary, some good um, tonic water. That's an, another important factor. Mm.
1: Yeah, right. The tonic um, is extremely important to bringing out the flavors in certain gins, right? Yeah
0: and uh, get some good tonic water fever
1: trees yeah i like this fever tree
0: and yeah and i i was able to 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 grab a bottle after the show and we did a live tasting on the show which was awesome but also kind of difficult because it was not at the end of the show and so i had to do some (laughs) interviews after that and we did this tasting and we drank like I guess each one six shots or something of gin. <laughs> They're like, Mo,
1: the, the interviews are sounding great. The questions are really interesting, <laughs> but you've got to put your pants back on. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <some> Please. <laughs> kind of like that. I was hosting at Lederhosen, by the way. I, th- I saw your pictures. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I saw that. I- um, no, it's been a great show. And those guys, Um, I think we could give a little shout out here. They do great gin family distillery from the Allgäu. I don't know if you could get it... Um, somewhere out of the algo. But if um, any of our listeners is interested, I think we could um, export a bottle or two.
1: Man, I was just thinking, I even just wrote this down while you were talking about it, but how great would it be to have a company like this as a sponsor for the web, for the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> that would be so awesome. I mean, how great would it be to be like, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, like our our guest today, we talk about some, some comments, you may be like, all right guys, thanks for listening so far. We hope you enjoyed the, the uh, <laughs> interview. Uh, our, our sponsors today are Algoy Blenderai. right. Algoya Gin premium quality, stone pine, handcrafted. All right guys, back to the show. <laughs> I, I would love that. Because I mean like this is also like the third kind of thing that comes from that region that you can't really find in Munich. Like I was in the studio yesterday working on the on the record and on the way out, I stopped at a petrol station and grabbed two uh, of uh, gold beers because yeah. they're my favorite beers, and they just—I just can't find them anywhere in Munich, like at all. Or
0: do you know a place by now? Because I'm not—I'm not, I'm not maybe quite like sure. special, you know,
1: warehouse you know or this,
0: something. Um, the supermarket chain from the Allgäu in Yeah, maybe you've been to one in Oberstdorf. right? And they're also <clears throat> this kind of um, super regional um, fair trade supermarket thing mm. there. Therefore, they're kind of expensive. Right. And their credo is, okay, they're based in Kempton in the Allgäu And we only have franchises. Um, like nearby. Nearby, maximum 100 kilometers uh, away. Oh. But there are two because it somehow... There's one in Nobisdorf, right? Exactly. And yeah. in Munich, there are two. Because oh. at the real border of this uh, 100 kilometer line or whatever next to Hirschgarten that's one. And because they're a supermarket from the Algo, they, they m- might have it. have it. I'm not sure. I haven't searched for it. Um oh, that's not yet. a bad that's not a bad guess actually if they might have that. But, but yeah, yeah, that's another thing that's that's great yeah. and you only get there.
1: This and like this special, like you said, the ceramic NCN, okay. the Stone Tolfen So special, it has such a specific flavor. This brand makes great NCN too. I have it at my house. But um there's like three kinds of Encian that I've had. There's the Zontovin one, like the yep. the original one that I've had. Um, this brand is also really good, and then of course there's like Gabiex Encian, like the big glass bottle. Yeah, it's also it's also good. Um, but there's like this Sotla Gold, and then like you know this original Encian, and I think there's this other. You know, like this gin, for yep. example. Like I would love to have this gin and like the local. Shop, you know, but
0: you know what I struggle with uh, finding outside of, of, of the allgäu and even with outside of the southern parts of the allgäu. Obviously, you can do it on your own, but cash button. Oh man, because yeah, um, here, um, for our listeners who don't live in Bavaria, Bavaria is split in how many are there? I don't know, but many different, um, I would say. Like districts, regions or, regions districts, or yeah. districts, yeah. Whatever. And uh-huh. um, Munich is in Oberbayern, right? And they also do their kind of Käsespätzle here, which is the f- um, the first um, fail. They're called Käsespätzeln and nothing else. And, and <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you think it's a fail just because they call it literally yeah. Käsespätzle? Which is great for someone like me
1: who is only <laughs> learning Hochdeutsch. <laughs> <laughs> like, how dare they call it? cheese
0: dough which is exactly what it is <laughs> yeah, it is exactly what it is um <laughs> <laughs> well, i know what you mean though it's like yeah. it comes from the culture for 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 people who who absolutely don't know this how do you say it again you could you could compare it to i i think that the nearest thing you could compare it to is mac and cheese i would guess and that's still goes that's a long really way. stretching it yeah yeah it's like yeah
1: but you're right though it's somehow like mac and cheese meets like a gargonzola pasta Uh, something like it's like these it's hard you know like i've seen it homemade several times and homemade is the best way to do it it just is if you have someone there making it and you can like control the cheese and you control the heat and everything and you have to eat it super fresh but it's like this um this wet dough that you cook at a certain temperature and then you have this special tool only for that where you slide the dough over these little holes and they drop out in these little like I don't know, raisin-sized droplets into the water.
0: That's the important thing, because yeah. there should be, like, little knobs. Yeah. Because in, in Baden-Württemberg, they do those long, like, pasta-like spätzle.
1: And that's not good.
0: And even here, they do those longer ones. But it should be those little, tiny, raisins yeah. shaped um, pieces.
1: Yeah, kind of like how you would imagine, like, a, like an almond cereal or something. Like, mm. just these little, round yeah. droplets. And then you have... Depending on what region you 're in and like who's doing it, you have several different kinds of like heavy Bavarian or like mountain cheeses that really stinky heavy cheeses that are that are great and usually there's like yeah. a lot of it like almost yeah. a wheel of cheese into it
0: If you want to do it right, you need an older mountain cheese which has rested um, for a certain amount of time and a younger okay. one mm-hmm. plus this one cheese um, which is nearly extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. there's one um one company still doing it in the Algo, it's called weislacker and it's this, it, it, it is the one really stinky which makes the the how do you call it the 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 the, the, the stretchy oh like it makes it- it has
1: the, it gives the effect of, of like the stringy pulling yeah, sens- like the, exactly. the stretching sensation, yeah. <laughs> sensation. I don't know what I'm... yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, like it's when you buddy. see a commercial for pizza and they pull it up and the cheese stretches, exactly. it gives it that effect.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, you need those three kind of, um, of, of cheese if you want to, do, if you want okay. to Okay. I just
1: see, I didn't even know that it was like particularly one old one and one young one and then this other one, but yeah, and then they have like caramelized
0: onions, right? Exactly, and, and that's also another big mistake you could make. Many people, and especially around here in Munich, they do it with um, fried onions like you have on hot dogs. Right, I've seen that, yeah. But if you want to do it right, you got to um, caramelize them. Fresh in a, the pan, right? Yeah, and even without... It's not caramelizing because, as far as I know it, you can do it without sugar, just a lot of butter, right? low heat... And let them rest there for yeah. a long time.
1: They get kind of slimy and like, yeah, exactly. like brownish. Yeah, and then you just like Close dump it topic. on. Dude, every time I've ever had someone home make... Um, how, how would you pronounce it again? Keschbatsen. Keschbatsen. Yeah, that's good. Boom. You nailed it. Every time I've ever had someone home make uh, for me, it's always the same technique. Like Whenever you have normal meals, you usually have people there who are like very polite and they have their little, you know, their silverware and their plates and everyone gets a little portion of all the same things, the salad and the chicken and everything else. And then once everyone has everything on their plate, then they say like, all right, good appetit. And then everyone starts. This is the only kind of meal where every time I've had it, <laughs> as soon as the chef walks to your bowl or whatever and dumps it into your plate, they're like, start, 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 eat it, eat it. Go, 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 go. go. Don't waste time. Start now. You're wasting it. Like you have to eat it so fresh and so hot. And I always find myself having like a pretty fast first portion, like really fast. Yeah. And then usually like a medium speed second one. And if I really had the stomach for it, a smaller third one, but man, it is just like a recipe for constipation you know like stomach. you are not going to poop for days yeah it's just this heavy block in your stomach you know and of course the funny thing is in in that region where you're from it's like they always say the same thing you have this like block of heavy dough and cheese <laughs> sitting in your stomach and you can't even breathe and they go like well, let's push it down with some n c n yeah exactly
0: <laughs> it's such a cool cultural thing, and it somehow it actually works a little bit and it's you know it's if if for for people who struggle with cholesterine or something you should definitely be careful with tasting cash And mm. um and you hear a lot of stories about um years and years ago the the shepherds i uh, know the the not shepherds but the the, the the guys watching after cows on the on the little huts up in the mountains when they would make cash because they would have um they would work heavily, run up and down the hill all day looking after the cows, etc. Heavy work mm-hmm. for like 16 hours every day, and in the evening they would make cash spatsen. And the rule was like Um, if you have the bowl filled with cash spatsen, mm-hmm. um there's gotta be one layer of of melted butter, which is two thumbs thick, over over the like, bowl, like on top of it, on top of it. So wait, so they would put like a fork through two? Like uh, this is probably
1: like an inch and a half. Yeah, like an inch and a half through of of butter
0: has to stand on top of the bowl.
1: Oh my god! And they, would <laughs> eat, they would eat that like more than once a month. Oh my
0: god! But um. I think no wonder they only live to like thirty. Guess but have, 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 I think have come away to be a little more. Um, I mean,
1: more healthy than
0: two like healthy, an inch of butter yeah. sitting on top. But that's it's, crazy. it's still it's still a heavy dish, but it's yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about Klausentag, and and um, we mm-hmm. want to do this special episode about it if it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we should. And that that's that's a, a tradition because. Um, we we'll get the details on another episode, but basically, yeah. if you're part of it, you run around all night, mid-December. It's pretty cold, and traditionally you start the the evening with your group, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the huddle. You're around, and um, at one station where you <coughs> eat a lot of cash butts and I always basis, wondered because after that you run around <coughs> town all night, yeah, with like
1: until sunrise probably, sometimes.
0: Ten to twenty kilos of weight around you with those bells et cetera mm-hmm. and the, the and horns, the helmet, everything et cetera, and, and everywhere you go like fish, everywhere you go you'll dude. get beer and schnapps and so on and so on so if you really plan on having a night out where you plan on getting completely shit faced, eat a decent a decent plate of cash first,
1: you know it's interesting this this technique of like putting of a uh kish Kishbotsen? down um before you drink heavily because there's there's all these stories about um like musicians who would um there's well there's stories of musicians and of like spies but different people who different situations who would be put into a position where they knew they would have to drink a lot like maybe of shots and they would um do different brief- take Sure, they would do different techniques to, um, like l- like layer the their, their belly so that they wouldn't get like too drunk too quickly. I think the best example is probably like a spy who maybe had to go into Russian territory. You know, they drink vodka like water, yeah. so, he, so they would go out with these Russian guys, um, maybe during the Cold War or something. And the story was that either they layered their stomach with a few different a few shots of, of olive oil. I think, yeah. to, to coat the belly so they could drink the vodka with them and not get so hammered. But then, of course, at some point it digests and then you just black out, like, I don't know, later in the evening when it's okay to do that. I think the same was for some musicians. It was some great story where they, I think they drank uh, like heavy cream.
0: Heavy cream? Okay.
1: Like really, really heavy cream, maybe like full fat cream. I don't know, like how how, what percentage of that would be i think the fattest milk i've ever had is like three comma eight but this is like yeah like super super heavy cream and they would layer five or something maybe five yeah like really fat cream and then they would layer their stomach lining with it and then they could drink the the shots or whatever they need to do still perform and then at a certain point they just like knock out you know but yeah it makes sense to eat
0: the the Kishpatsen first because that's that's just like doing that. It's really it's really crazy. And it's it's a top layer plus and you don't want to get to the point. But even if you get to the point where you have to throw up, they come out the same consistency as they came in. Oof. So it's super easy. <laughs> Oof. Oh man. For worst case situations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude. I was um there was something I wrote down. Oh yeah, right. You 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 speaking of like Klausentag and because you did this um
0: But one, one 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 last funny story about cash bots Yes. To close that. Throw it at me. Um <laughs> there is still this in this region this um running gag joke about um a certain insult which maybe used to be a real insult back in the day because Nowadays, it's, 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 a, it's a running gag. Um, like, the worst thing you can say to someone from the region, from the Algoi, is like, hey, your mom can't do cash butts.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my God. I can totally get that, though. I can totally get that. Because there's so much, yeah, there's so much respect about it. And like, my mom can't do it, your mom can't do it. Oh my God. But I was thinking, you know, uh, about Lederhosen because you said you wore it for this uh, tasting. And I was seeing something a lot in Munich recently, and maybe people have seen this too who don't get what's going on. But this is the first year ever where Wiesen, Oktoberfest was cancelled.
0: Not hu- even the World Wars have stopped it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's a, Not even the World Wars. It's a, it's a huge, huge change. And... Um, Last week, I think I started noticing it. So, right now, we would be in Oktoberfest world. Um, We would hear lots of tourists all over the city. Um, The nights would be loud. And um, we would probably have done, like, a special episode just about it and maybe even gone there for some live background sound. Like, it could have been a whole experience going there, Um, you know? An an episode that would have been nice. That would have been cool, man. Take, like, a little Zoom recorder and just go there, get some live takes and, like, talk about it. Um. And there are plenty of very cool uh, views and stories, and it's very special. The point is that it's not happening this year for the first time ever. And I started noticing last week that there are just people.
0: But uh, walk- um, um, I gotta look it up. But I think there has been one other time where it has not happened. But it's that must oh, okay. have been like over one hundred years ago. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah. So, but to to put this in context, not even the world wars have have stopped the right. reason.
1: It took yeah, it takes something like major. And I'm really um I'm I'm impressed with them that they did it and I'm really happy that it isn't, even though it's weird and it's crazy for the economy and everything. Point is I saw so many people last week uh who just were wearing Tracht, like Lederhosen and Diedl yeah. um everywhere, like to cafes and restaurants and on the street and stuff. Um and it felt almost like I was looking through like a uh like an hourglass or like looking through a, like a lens into the past or something because I thought did I miss something did I miss a memo was it like a hashtag on Twitter or something like why is everyone all of a sudden doing this
0: but those can people, you explain those, that those people are are, are, are the issue because um, if you don't live in Germany you gotta know Munich is one of the four or five Corona hotspots of all Germany right now yeah the numbers went up yeah um, the, the rules because, even changed yeah. because of Not, I guess not only because of those people, but um, it's obvious because a lot of people um, went like, okay, there is no Oktoberfest, there is no reason we can't go there. So let's do our private reason there in this cafe or in this Wirtshaus, etc., etc., etc. And there has been a lot of spreading. And I find it pretty ironic that they have canceled Oktoberfest, which is a huge step. Yeah, it's really like progressive we just, to like do we just, that. Just it's mentioned. smart. Yeah, and still Munich is such a Corona hotspot. Right. And now imagine they would have done it. <laughs> I can't even imagine how that yeah, would be. But, but, but that's the point. So, like, many people were like, and even bars and certain different locations. Yeah, and I can kind of understand, especially especially bars and cafes, etc. Who who really struggle financially because of Corona, um, who said like, okay, we, we, we'll do our little kind of visa experience here within the rules, et cetera. But, but you know, the thing obviously it didn't work out. Like no, numbers I'm went up. Um, we're having, we, we will have new restrictions by tomorrow.
1: Yeah. They already, yeah. They start tomorrow already. I thought they already started today. Um, yeah, everything changed. Everything got a little bit, little bit worse, and it's kind of crazy to imagine. Like, if people are are treating the absence of visa as sort of a court, a cultural um, glitch in how they how they see their world in Germany, and they want to walk around and wear um, it's called tracht, like T R A C H. T? R
0: A C H T.
1: Right, yeah. This is just the name for the traditional clothing. Yeah. And if they want to walk around wearing that, um, I have no problem with that. It was just something funny to see. I didn't get it. I had to ask Efi about it. And yeah. I didn't understand, like, wait, but is the, it's it's cancelled, right? Like, why is everyone wearing this? And then I started seeing like all these bars and, and restaurants and and cafe and, and cafes and stuff and, and and like little garden parties and balcony parties and and I went for a run by the river, and I saw like groups of people all together blasting music, drinking with their case of beer in the river yeah, stuff. Yeah. Stuff, of course, I miss dearly. <laughs> but also, I thought, but wasn't this the point? Yeah, that was
0: exactly the point. Yeah.
1: So uh, it's kind of it's kind of um, kind of ignorant in a way. Like it's, it's super ignorant, and I, I, d- d- I despite I, the cultural thing, despite the trash, it's like don't meet up with that many people,
0: dude. And I have no understanding for it. Like, or maybe I just can't understand it, but because i cannot understand how important this one big party every year must be to so, so many people yeah. that they cannot live without it for one year yeah, they i simply yeah. cannot understand it yeah they they can't
1: even not make up their own version of it because they want it so badly
0: that's hard and we've had we've had discussions about this um, at the station, because um, many media outlets in Munich, I think are um, are pushing this and promoting this, like Munchen TV, the regional the local TV station. What are they promoting? Um, because y- um, you got to know about Munchen TV. They have um, it's like local TV. It's not l- like many people are watching it um, every day. imagine imagine in in America a regional station like, I don't know, CBS Portland or whatever, but way smaller. That's what München is like. Um, But they have one highlight each year, which is their live um, coverage of the Oktoberfest, where they have a whole studio there, and a lot of people watch it, and it's legendary. And so what they did is they kind of... um, proclaimed like yeah reason is not just an event it's a way of life and we'll we're celebrating it and we had a discussion about okay <coughs> about the Give me a break there is responsibility <coughs> the easy the res- responsibility of media mm-hmm. because are we part of the problem if we promote this kind of reason vibe if there is no reason right because of a reason no reason for a reason R- he didn't even oh, plan that one. That makes for a great tide like off the cuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like there's a reason. I mean, there is a reason why there's no reason. Yeah. And to, to, to make your own version of it with groups of people coming together in large quantities and partying together. And of course, the problem is that um, the same reason why they probably couldn't have strong restrictions at visa is the fact that people do get drunk and they do get reckless with the precautions you know it's it's just human nature like when when this whole thing first started in germany um before there was like a heavy lockdown there was like the talk about it there's like this thing i mean people were a bit more aware it wasn't so serious yet um but once we already even knew about it i went to a party or something um which was still allowed and you just i started noticing like okay now everyone's drunk i'm drunk And people are hugging and singing together and like sharing the same glass. And that stuff (sighs) still happens, even though the restrictions are so important.
0: You know, it's really crazy. And you got to know, the reason for people who live in Munich might not always be fun because it is fun when you go there. Yeah. And um, speaking for myself, um, in a normal year, Um, because the whole thing takes part for two and a half weeks or three weeks, something like that and I would Mm -hmm. go there for like two or three days probably. Same, same. Three at most. Yeah, that's a thing. It's
1: expensive and it's everything.
0: And the 17 other days (laughs) are horrible. Yeah, because then you're just like... uh, Because then you're on your way to work Yeah, and there are tons... Shitload of drunk people who are just annoying, vomiting in the in the in the in the subway stations, etc., etc. Plus, awful, there is a, yeah. regarding the the virus, there is a thing called, um, uh, Wiesenerkältung or like really? flu. because
1: you just get For so my- drunk, you burn out your immune system, kind of.
0: No, but because of because of um, the the hygiene d- there the the what the uh, hygiene yeah the hygiene lot, oh yeah, yeah. A, a lot of a lot of um, of tents there where you get your beer and, and party right. you're packed in with the people from all around the world um, they don't don't they don't wash the glasses with hot water etc ah so really if someone shows up and a little sick it goes around to th- hundreds of people every day and um, much in, like a virus and it spreads <laughs> e- it's it spreads everywhere yeah like like the, the flu virus it is exactly right. that and and in the urban etc right. and Makes sense. For myself, I if there if there is Oktoberfest, I can definitely plan that I will have I will be sick for two to three days each year around this time whether I go there or not. Mm-hmm. It's in the air. And so yeah, I, and, and for me that is the, the 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 ultimate argument for why this should be not
1: happen this year yeah that's actually the strongest point i've heard so far is that you already get yeah you already get sick so do you want to throw a pandemic on top of that since i
0: live in munich which is almost no which is a little over four years now right and there were two years where i did not go to the oktoberfest at all and i still got the flu yeah, sure. It's every yeah. Like you said, it's on it's on the public
1: transport. There's people throwing up on the sidewalk. There's someone who, you know, there's always something. There's always something. There's always someone somewhere. It's it's a humongous event. I mean, what is it? Like 7 million people come to that thing every year? Yeah, yeah. Approximately something like that.
0: It's the it's the it's humongous. The, it's the biggest public um kind of folksfest yeah. in the
1: world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really surprised that I mean I'm not surprised at the same time that people are doing that. But anyway, anyway. yeah, because
0: I I still am. Um, if if there is anyone listening who and I don't wanna 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 judge you right away, but I just wanna, <laughs> but he is <laughs> no, but but I just I just want to understand um, people for who this is so important. That they cannot live without it and that they feel a kind of need to have an alternative because there is no reason for it Hey,
1: I agree. If there's someone out there with a very strong, uh, like a strongly different opinion from the thing that we're talking about, send us an email. Yeah. You know, we'll put the email at the, at the end of the show. Just, it's in the notes. Just just send us over, it. explain, you know, what your feelings are about it because maybe there's something that we haven't thought about yet. It'd be kind of cool to to learn about it. Um, but in other news, I, um, man, some crazy things have really happened in the last like 48 hours with the new record. Um,
0: like I'm so curious,
1: well, good, good and good and maybe good and not bad, but different news. So I... Uh, went down to the studio yesterday where we recorded everything. I was there with Tim, who, who's produced the whole record. And we, we we went back in there to basically try and, and build, like, the final mix of the, of the whole thing. Yeah. So we had, you know, we had recorded everything. We had, like, four mixes. We had finished and mastered the Crooked Rail already, and that came out. And then we have another single that's coming in November. <gasps> And I'm excited
0: about that too. It sounds
1: great. I'm really happy so with it. So looking
0: forward to this one.
1: And I thought, okay, maybe we have to go ahead and finish that one. But then I thought, you know what? The best thing is if I just try and schedule a day, um, like a whole day with him, a whole session, and just try and just try and finish a bunch of the other songs too, because now it's been enough time. Um, I showed you before the show started. Like I had, I had listened to the to the last mix for months, like maybe since maybe since May, and I already no. had like everything. Everything that I really, 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 really wanted to fix or change or adjust, I already had, and I already had written down like really specifically because I'd already thought about it so much. So I knew that it wouldn't take too long to go to go do it. And I went down yesterday. At, I got up at six a.m. and I took a seven twenty train down to Immenstadt. We started around like nine thirty, and we went until nine forty five in the evening. We took like an hour for, for lunch, but pretty long day, man. Pretty yeah. cool long day. And there was one point at the end where we had to... Uh, there was one, one moment at the end of the day where we had to stop, uh, but I'll get, I'll get to that. So basically, um, it was great to see him again. It was great to, to hear the songs on the big speakers again and like crack down what really needs to be done. The last thing that we had done for most of the songs was at Cosma. Uh, Cosmo Joy sang harmonies on like 9 out of the 10 songs
0: You can already hear it on the Crooked Rail Yeah It's awesome She's
1: amazing, She's she's got such an amazing voice And we just basically mixed Her new tracks into the songs A little bit differently here and there Made them louder there, quieter there Maybe add some compression and stuff And then we, uh, we fixed some of the bass here and there We fixed some of the drums here and there Added some things, whatever Just classic, like standard mixing stuff and at the end of the day, um, we were looking at this song Daily Bread, which we added like several layers of her to because I wanted this song to be kind of this like anthemic ballad, like this big, big choir sound.
0: This is your anthem.
1: Yeah, I think buddy. it's kinda like the anthem of the of the record. And we added a lot of tracks to her, and this was the moment where it was like the last thing of the day, and we could see that both of us were just burned out, like our eyes are fried from looking at the screens and our ears are burned out. And um, we just decided, okay, you know, it makes more sense to just give Tim the time to have like fresh ears for this track because he has to really remix everything. There's like 70 tracks on it. It's huge. And we decided that was a good stopping point. And now today, I think I have seven of the eight songs that we worked on or seven of the nine maybe with me here like an mp3 of the stuff we did yesterday and it sounds so great and i'm really happy with it there's like just a few major changes that i, I think were really essential and <clears throat> that's the good news like we're we're basically done with maybe seven of the 10 songs are like done mm, really nice. done which is a crazy feeling
0: do you have a, a final release date yet something in genuine and
1: this is part two. Oh, okay sorry this is part two no worries no worries yeah because that's that's also really important to me and I was telling Ify earlier today, it's kind of funny. This is the first time where I've had like finished songs and I didn't have like an immediate course of action to take. Like everything I've released up until now was independent and it was all structured exactly to this deadline that I'd created for myself or with a manager or something. And even 12 songs, like I had this really strict deadline for May and I had to, had to like, I had booked the, um, the release show and i had set up everything with the with the artist and with with the youtube releases and like everything was really strict so every time there was a song that was finished i already had a plan like okay that one's done i've got to do that i've got to send this i've got to email whatever whatever and now because of corona because of the lack of concerts and stuff there's just this weird sensation of like well what do i like well, how long do i have to wait what's my next step of action Yeah. No. So basically in the middle of the day yesterday, I got this response email from the record label. I had written them with some questions. I said, Hey, you know, we haven't spoken in a while. You know, we took a little break over the summer. I said, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, really appreciate everything you did for the Crooked Rail. Basically here's the updates for the next single that comes out in November. Here's like, I'm working on it, you know, in the studio today. And, um, you know, the video is doing this and blah, 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 blah. Just give them an update for everything. And I told my booking guy that I had r- r- written them. So my booking guy from, from Hamburg suggests to me, he says, hey, man. So he says next year looks really tough. On his roster, he has much bigger artists than me. And he was saying that he had pitched his artists, including me, to festivals, venues. Uh, like everything that you would try and get for like a, t- like a summer tour Yeah. and nothing is getting back. Like festivals aren't sure if they can take place all over Europe yeah. and venues aren't getting back to anyone because they're not sure that they can even open
0: or that they exist by next <clears> or season? that
1: they'll exist. They might even lose the money.
0: Let's name it. down. Yeah.
1: So I knew that that was pretty serious. I wasn't sure what that really means for the record, because if we release everything in January and we don't have any concerts we can do at all until maybe like fall or later of 2021, then that's kind of wasting the release a little bit. It's almost kind of like, I don't have the reputation or the marketing to be able to really release something without touring it. Like Lady Gaga did or Chance the Rapper or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I told the label what he thinks about postponing it. He wants to postpone the release of the record, the official release until June of 2021, which will mean that I have pushed everything back. Like for almost one year or no, I think it was like exactly a year. Even, and even before that I was planning things differently, like six months before that, I think in the Eileen interview, I said something like 18 months. I think it's more like a year, but still it, for me, it feels like eternity because I'm so used to this strict. Schedule. Yeah, I and I told them what he thinks. And they said that they also agree that it doesn't make sense to release in January anymore they think it would make more sense to push the official release of the whole record into June because by that time the summer open air festivals will have a better idea of what they can do and who they could book. And they think that because I'm like an international artist, I'm, I'm an American and I'm singing in English that it might be a good offer for them to, to, to take an artist like me because they can't fly international artists over. They can't take anyone uh, abroad because of Corona. But that's a good point,
0: yeah. Which I, is cool. I, I have not thought
1: about this at all. I hadn't all. thought about that either. Like, they're going to have their German artists. And if they want something different, like, I'm already here in Germany, I can just drive there, you know, or I can drive to Switzerland or Austria or whatever. And um, so they said, why don't we really try and consider pushing it to June, which would mean that we might lose a little bit of the momentum that we created with Crooked Rail, but... We have a new single in November and then they want to add a third single in February. And I'm talking with them now about which one I think will be the the best one to do. But we would do a single then and then try and do the full record in June, which just means that if seven of the 10 songs are done now, then I can literally do nothing with them for, for months and months and months. And I have to think about, how to keep like a kind of momentum going and think about the marketing and think about like creating content to keep attention on it it's crazy, man and I, all I hope is that everyone's right. I hope that my booking guy is right, I hope the label's right, and I hope that by next summer we can actually play some open airs again, but I never thought I would be having that conversation that's so crazy it's
0: heavy yeah because the, I mean, the, i'm not I'm not the original down, the original you know. schedule regarding. Um, the beginning of the, the whole recording process is that yeah that was something completely different That's like
1: June of this year
0: yeah we <laughs> um we would have already had a chance to to enjoy this album for almost four a month now yeah um but and, and have you, know, you have yeah. you I, I don't actually because um we've talked about this because um, yeah all this us, news is just from yesterday because us uh, talking about us the the band. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't been rehearsing in a really long while. I yeah, s- months, think and months Since we're getting towards a year now, I guess. Has the it last, really? Has it? That's pretty bad. The though. last gig we've played was in was it December, November? It was November. It was the event in the crazy industrial place for this big company. Right. Right. We played this kind of the late net, night show, show band. The yeah, exactly. show. That's it. Um. With Frank. All right, that was Shout the last out to Frank. Frank Portsky. Cool guy. Um, yeah, that was the last uh, band show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but have you considered, because I, like you just mentioned, that's something you would not think about regarding this international aspect about your, your art. That could be a bonus for you, but um, regarding the struggles you might have, Keeping people kind of teased and and creating content about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about about um, your your creative process at the moment, but have you thought about maybe um, stretching it a bit with more material? Like putting more songs on the record? No, but like if you have more material, and I. N- definitely know there are songs that will not be on the album that you've created I cannot tell how many those are but maybe it's just a handful I guess yeah yeah but maybe just a wild idea um maybe just do a a simple recording maybe not of the standards you would expect of an album of yours and release some form of I don't know um ep Mm -hmm. before the album would not have necessarily have to be a a high produced thing maybe just the basic recording i i'm i mean you, you can do quite a lot with with um with low effort these days that's true yeah and maybe releasing something before the album
1: yeah that's not a bad idea to just like keep some sort of audio content coming I even thought about
0: that i mean if if the band would get would get in 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 a in, in the rehearsing place for maybe five days and then we would get like like I recorded with my with my ex band this d c p and mm-hmm. get to the studio for for i don't know two days yeah recording three to five songs do it live and do it, it live takes, yeah and maybe you would we would have invested a little bit for for mastering sure yeah, yeah. And do something like this. Put something out like that, yeah. That's not a
1: bad idea. I even thought about doing um, like even for this record, I considered doing like a B sides version, mm-hmm. um, just like really stripped down, raw versions of the of the songs that are going to come out. But this is this is a different idea. Um, but I had even thought about. I had even considered maybe like more video content, like m- shorter things that kind of tease what's to come maybe like a maybe like a 15 second tease somehow of like uh, of parts that i really enjoy from all the new songs and put these out with like nice cinematography and like a cool visual idea yeah. and using these for like twitter and facebook and instagram or something but but i don't know um because i would think, <clears> think about I have to make
0: a plan i would think about something like I said, just just a crazy idea of mine, and I don't have um, something to say um, about you you as a recording artist. Um, it's okay, so you can so say much. I suck. It's but annoying. no, 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 no. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, t- in terms of I, I am totally not in a position where I have any form of, of influence on that, and I, I, I don't want or need to do that. But maybe to do something, some recordings, something. Off the grid, like mm. like from the from the momentum um, you create or we create as a band, mm-hmm. in between practicing the stuff that will be on the album.
1: It's not a bad idea, actually, just to take some cool like. Like unreleased or like something like the um, the unwanted yeah, demo or, or, or something. Or building
0: something. I, I, I remember when we, yeah. <laughs> remember when we, you even wrote lyrics for that one. I don't know if it's still a thing. When we, when like, we, we da, played da, around da. this one lick. this just oh, yeah. Brian Adams like suddenly We were there like, and you start with a, with a, with a guitar lick. And then oh, how was that? That was really Mark cool. joined man. on the drums and we, and, and some form we had this crazy like da, 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 80s rock da, da, vibe there in the place right. and it sounded amazing. I think was, I remember
1: that song. I oh, think we had. I had. A, I wrote the. I wrote the whole song. I wrote the whole text.
0: Take oh, D- your time. What was do- that? Um, and <cosmetics> and I think this could. <gasps> I obviously don't know how your capacities are regarding time and um, studio time, etc. But I think something like this, and maybe just three songs or four really tiny ep but could be something something great showing the the other side of oh, jordan demons prince demons in the closet What's yeah demons in the closet yes oh that's it Woo! Okay. wait are you recording the rehearsing room? Oh, stylish
1: collection oh, of model yes trains. You made an impression with a rich man's game. Yeah, oh yeah, dude, that was a cool song. Uh, we totally forgot about that and song, I, and man. I, th- I, I did not Jeez. forget,
0: but, <laughs> but I forgot like an idiot. I, I think about maybe <clears throat> just collecting and maybe just three or four songs, like I said. Yeah, and like a little kind of EP mm-hmm. showing like the backstories, like the, the other side of Jordan Prince uh oh, the backstories that's cool because i think that could be something to really keep people teased because if i think about myself as a as a passionate um music fan of of certain artists mm-hmm. at some point i don't know if i if i hear snippets of stuff that's about to be released someone i can be pretty passionate about it for the First One or two times But then I see it on Instagram ads Over and over again And I think it. Fuck it I just want to hear the whole song Right Leave me alone with this And I think That makes sense yeah And I think Bringing something else Mm -hmm. And that Doesn't necessarily mean To write new songs Mm -hmm. um, But could be a cool idea If there is a possibility Regarding recording etc Maybe something like The meanwhile Yeah And I think we could Like in
1: between you know
0: I think we could, we could do this 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 easily, doing a live recording yeah. in the studio where we rehearse in Munich. Mm-hmm. Maybe renting out some more mics, little mixing do, board, yeah.
1: like a really straightforward. Yeah, like live mix of it. That's really not a bad idea, man. That's really really cool. Yeah, because you're right. Since so the teasers like are cool for a little while, but then they can be kind of annoying because you just want the song yeah. already. That, that's what that was a problem I had with Tame Impala. Took him. Five yeah, years.
0: That's what I thought about. Five years, man. Yeah, those kind of artists. And
1: there were some teasers where I was so excited and then I just got bored of hearing the same thing and then there was like one single and then there was like five months and then another single and I just got really anxious. But yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing to 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 Because it's
0: obvious that try. you that you have to postpone the, the, the album. Yeah, I'll have to but why just, not take yeah. take 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 advantage of the of the of the of the meantime. Right. Yeah, maybe, like, I think we'll have to do an
1: official announcement if this gets concreted this week. Just just to mention, like, okay, guys, it's not going to happen when we thought, but... But um, maybe you could
0: pitch that to your lady. But then,
1: later. Yeah, then I could talk about maybe something in the meantime. The meantime... The meantime songs. Meantime like, backstories. Meantime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A-F-I.
1: <laughs> Backstage <laughs> stories. <laughs> Get the same... The same moment. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so that's what I found out yesterday. Like, um... Yeah, but I totally understand because... I'll figure out what to do with it. But
0: that's not a bad idea. But I understand the whole point about... About... um, Taking advantage of that momentum regarding traveling and getting artists in.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I would like to... Where are we right now?
0: We are at 52 minutes already.
1: I think that's a really great time to introduce today's guest. Um... And then we can come back. i am just take a little bathroom break and then come back. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh. Uh, let me see here where my notes are about her. He doesn't was- even
0: remember who he had for the interview I yesterday. I
1: do. I just want to be. There it is. Okay. Guys, we have a fantastic guest today. Her name is Eileen Byrne. She is a screenwriter in Munich. She is a, uh, a fantastic singer as well. And she's in a band called the Lone Dining Society. Uh, You can check out the links. We're going to put those links into the descriptions. I wrote those down. Um, I had to do a pre-recorded call with her, um, again, just because she has such a busy schedule and because of, um, as Mo likes to say, Big Rona. Um, But she was lovely to talk to. We covered a lot of interesting topics. um, And I really hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Eileen Byrne. then I am recording too. Okay. Eileen Byrne. All right. Nice to finally have you on the show. We talked about maybe trying to get you on, I think a few months ago, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Uh, it was a long time ago.
2: Pre-corona. Seems like a a long time ago.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's funny now, like saying pre-corona, you can, it might as well just be like the time, like a time before anything existed at all. Like it feels like so long ago, like you can't even address, you know, yeah,
2: it's true. It's true. And on the other hand, it seems like because we had so much kind of free time or I did at least, right. uh, it, it feels like summer never happened. It's like, I feel like it's April or something. And I, I can't believe it's already autumn and winter's coming because nothing happened. <laughs> so it's God. Like it's Empty space. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I feel like the summer went by super fast. And the crazy thing is too, whenever I would feel like there was a couple of days of summer where something was really happening and it almost kind of resembled feeling normal, then Mm -hmm. I would have this sort of creepy feeling in the back of my head, like, um, I shouldn't be doing this. This feels wrong. (laughs) You know? So I, I almost couldn't even enjoy it in a way.
2: What, for example, what kind of things?
1: Um, Well, there was one, um, like one week long vacation I took. Uh, We went to to Zutirol Mm -hmm. and it was very pretty and stuff there. And I had a great time, but there was a couple of moments where, um, you know, I was like walking around outside and, you know, you see everyone spaced out in this beautiful landscape and, you know, you just, it just feels very normal. Like people are on Mm -hmm. hikes and it's a sunny day and you're in Italy or something. And then I would just have this fragmented, Thought just for a second where I was like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this. No one should be outside. This is a pandemic. This is dangerous. Like, yeah, you know, you would just, I would just feel kind of guilty for actually enjoying myself, which uh, I didn't have that ever before. This, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, that's weird. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, interesting. I'm, um, I i do not know. Do um, do you think it will become normal that we don't want to touch people anymore and stuff because? On the one hand, I still have those um, reflexes that I I want to hug my friends. But on the other hand, when I'm watching a series and people are hugging each other or kissing, I'm just like, no, don't (laughs) do it. You (laughs) fall too close to each other.
1: (laughs) That's so true. I have exactly the same feeling whenever I'm watching a movie and you see someone like, like they leave the house. They're like, I'm going to go to the store. And you're like, ah, they didn't bring a mask
2: yeah exactly <gasps> you forgot your mask oh god
1: <laughs> i think i was watching some movie that where they had like a, a party on a boat for a scene and uh, oh my
2: god mm-hmm. i
1: was like but you guys you're you're all touching your shoulder to shoulder
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know it just felt so unsafe but I, I totally think you're right i think it's kind of spawning uh, like a new wave of, of like this new mentality for the next years you know like even when mm-hmm. after there's a vaccine and even after that when we still have some sort of you know, safety measures in motion where you're, um, you know, wearing a mask here and there or keeping your distance. I, I'm, I think I'm still going to feel kind of paranoid that I'm getting too close to too many people, you know, like I'm yeah. a hugger like you too. Yeah. You know, definitely. and I I feel like, ah, it's just this urge, like to keep this distance as if, as if the people I loved are kind of icky now or they're dangerous.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what's so strange about it. And, um, also, I don't know, here in Munich, most people are hugging, and they, I, I think they're really close. Where I come from, <laughs> things are different.
3: Where but, Where
1: do you come from originally, actually?
2: Uh, from Luxembourg.
1: From Luxembourg. Can you Luxembourg, tell me a yeah. little bit about that? Because I feel like that's a that's a country that I have talked about the least, perhaps, in my whole life.
2: <laughs> probably. You're probably right. Because <laughs> nothing I mean, to talk about. <laughs> you
1: know, like, nothing, well, nothing against it. It's just you're the second person I've ever known to be from there, and I just don't know much about it. So, so enlighten that's me, a lot. you know?
2: That's a lot already. Two, <laughs> Two people. That's like zero point, I don't know how much percent of the population that you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is the population in Luxembourg? Do you know?
2: Um, yeah, it's approximately 600,000, I think.
1: Oh, wow. So hey, it's that's half of Munich,
2: big. I guess, for the whole country.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, well,
1: what's the culture like over there? You were saying it's different from here with um, like the touching and stuff.
2: Yeah, but that's because... I think it's because, um, it's a small country and there's not, there, there is a, like a main, like the city center is like Luxembourg city, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's not as big. And, um, it's just in Luxembourg, you can actually keep your distance, which you can't do here. Right. If you, if you go to the supermarket, people are just, um. Yeah, I don't know. Sticking to your back and and you can't do anything about it. Oh, there's yeah. people everywhere, and in Luxembourg, it's just um, it's a little more spaced out, and it's and also because it was a, a high risk uh, region, I think people are just more careful over over there.
1: Luxembourg is is a more high risk region.
2: It, it was yeah, it it, it was, was okay. on the red list or the black list or whatever it was called. Did um, they close
1: the borders to it?
2: Uh, Germany closed the border to Luxembourg, yes, and okay. um, in August, I think, yeah, a lot of a lot of countries closed their border for for Luxembourg residents.
1: Do you know if they're back open now?
2: Yeah, they're back open now. It's less okay. of a risk, but still, like, um, I just heard from two film productions in Luxembourg um, who had to stop shooting last week because they had so many positive cases.
3: Oh my god, really? Um, on
2: set, yes. And they were all wearing masks and they're being tested every week the whole team and uh, but still, yeah.
1: I'm curious so. about that too, you know, like um you you're working in film and and I'm kind of a little bit sometimes working in the musical part of film and I'm really interested mm-hmm. in that in that world. And I, you know, we both have a lot of friends who are, you know, on set Um, either in Germany or like you said, in Luxembourg and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's your, I mean, you're, you're more of a writer, but I'm um, curious, like what your feeling is about people getting back to production, in my opinion, kind of early, you know, there's no vaccine yet. Like, do you think it's too risky or do you understand that there's kind of a need for this job to keep going?
2: Well, I think I'm a little bit of both. I, um, I worked as a script supervisor on a film in uh, July Oh, okay. that was the um, the first production in luxembourg that took place post corona or po- post lockdown um, and it was it was really strange but they were really careful um we were tested um a few times and everybody was wearing their masks inside and outside and um they took the temperature of every uh, everyone every morning and um yeah we still had three positive cases which all three of them turned out to be wrong afterwards. I don't know if that actually exists, false positive. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But um, for example, our, our, um, our DOP had to stop working two or three days before before the shooting started because he was positive. But he already had corona in March and he was tested negative in between those two periods. So we don't really, I don't know if he knows now, but um, if it, if the test was wrong or if he had it again or if there was just something that the test could see um, because he's had it in March. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but it was um, yeah, he he couldn't he couldn't work on the production that he prepared and everything. It was really horrible.
3: Oh, uh, man.
2: So I don't know. I've I've heard about um, many productions in taking place in Munich now who don't who are not so strict about the rules. So they're not wearing masks all the time and only the actors are tested, which really doesn't make sense in my eyes. Are you um, surprised
1: to see that kind of behavior from unit crews?
2: Yes, I don't understand it. I know I know, it's um, it's expensive to test everyone, but mm-hmm. it's not expensive to force everyone to wear a mask inside and outside. And I, I really, really don't get it. Um, and I think it's just that people here I don't know. Most of my friends don't know anybody who's had it. And I know at least 20 people. And I think that makes a huge difference if you... If um, you know
1: someone who's had it or not.
2: Yes. And if you know how, yeah, how it took place. I know two people who were in hospital and um, I really don't want to have it. And I really don't want to, to, to infect other people. I think... Yeah, that's
1: it, right? It's, it's, it's it's not, it's, it's a very, you can't be selfish with the idea of Corona. Exactly.
2: And it's not about you. That's what I don't get um about those people who don't want to wear a mask it's it's not about you it's you have it's i don't know it's this one period where we can all be solidary uh-huh. um solid yeah do you say solidary, solid dare sol yeah
1: i think we can be solid. yeah you can be solid solidarity yeah
2: it's all about thinking of the people around you and i i I don't get how people don't get that (laughs) it's really strange
1: yeah you have some conversations with people and of course everyone's you know if they have any common sense they're afraid to get it but i think it's there is kind of a separation between people that are just simply afraid to get it and those who understand that they're afraid to pass it on to those exactly
2: i I don't know how i could live with with you know just imagine if you gave it to someone who who has a disease or who is a bit older and who does whose immune system can't cope with it that well exactly your fault i I just couldn't live with it
1: no uh, no definitely not like mm -hmm. if you know if you have some older family members or anyone with like emphysema or asthma or something then you you know you could be the reason that they that they they die or they get in really sick and yeah um, yeah, but on
2: the other hand, I, I get that pro- like production companies have to work. And um, at the beginning, they said they won't be able to shoot until they have um, a security that when they have to stop shooting, that they will get their money back. Um, but there's no uh, company who that, that will pay for it, for it for a case of Corona.
1: Who would, who would be in charge of securing that kind of, um, like,
2: um how do you say, um, um, um Versicherungsfirmen? like companies who, insurance companies,
1: insurance companies would be in yeah. charge. Okay. And
2: there's, yeah, there's insurance companies for almost everything that could happen on a set, but mm-hmm. they, they don't want, they're, they're not insuring against Corona at, at the moment because they would lose too much money, I guess. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure they would.
2: So yeah, there is no insurance at the moment, and um, and companies at one point just had to decide if they risk not shooting and then maybe having to close the company, or if they risk shooting and maybe maybe having to close the company because they have positive cases, or maybe they're lucky and they will survive. Oh I think I think that's the 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 whole problem that they. Yeah, they might lose either way, but they might also win if they're lucky, and they just shoot. Which is a so they just pff, keep trying.
1: Know. They just keep trying to get the production finished and try and be as safe as they can in a way. But I guess yeah, it's really more mm-hmm. about like money over over safety in the end. Yes, a definitely,
2: bit. it's all about money. <laughs>
1: crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, I want to know more about Luxembourg because um, when did you actually move over to Germany? <laughs>
2: I moved here in 2005.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, So I thought you moved over when you were like a little kid.
2: Oh, no, no. Mm -mm. I moved Uh here for my studies. Yes. Interesting.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. What what did you study? Why did you come to to Germany?
2: Well, I, um, I did my European baccalaureate in Luxembourg. And after that, I... I kind of had the feeling I had to, to, to leave far away. I think every Luxembourgish people has that feeling because it's so small really? and, um, uh, we do have a university, but not for everything. And, um, and also I think it's really good that you have to leave to study abroad. Um, yeah, to see something else of the world. Um, and then I, I went to, uh, the South of England and studied performing arts for a year, but really didn't like it. <laughs>
1: You didn't
3: like it?
2: No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to study music theater, actually. And I was, uh, I, I had a place for music theater, but they didn't have enough students. Um, so they put me in this performing arts course. And it was all about this modern kind of performance. Just anything can be a performance. Um, oh, okay. What you did you standing, feel about that? Well, I, I wrote my find my first year essay about does a performance need to have a meaning? <laughs>
3: and oh. Yes. And, oh. Um,
2: and I thought, yes, I mean, there has to be at least a little meaning. There's something about it, you know, because I was so oh frustrated that, that anything could be a performance.
1: <laughs> oh, man, uh, I, I thoroughly disagree with the, even the concept of that question so, so deeply. <laughs> And you got to know, there's, there's definitely a handful of people that were like, I'm so glad that someone's finally asking. Of course not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so you're in South Wales and you, you, you're you stuck in this performing arts thing. And then, or not yeah, South Wales, and then South I, England, sorry.
2: And then I, st- and then I actually, I, I moved to Munich bec- and studied theatre studies here because um, it was all theory and I have no idea what you can work, wh- what kind of a job you can have afterwards with it but I kind of had the feeling that now I'm learning something. I had, um, so much theory, so much, uh, theater history and, um, and yeah, I really liked to study. And in England, it was all very practical and rolling on the floor and stuff like that.
3: Oh, and, uh, okay. I can totally your,
2: your picture your that. you blossoming, uh, kind
1: of, <laughs> that <was really> weird. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a really bad improv
2: class. <laughs> yes, it, it kind of was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did two years of theatre studies and it was theatre studies with music studies and history of art. And, um, okay. And I actually realized that I, there were, there were some courses about film and I al- always picked the film courses and I only, I did lots of traineeships on, um, on movies in Luxembourg, uh, and in Germany and, yeah, it was all movies. And I actually never went to the theater. So at one point, I just, I think I just uh, realized that maybe I I was studying the wrong thing.
1: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd say so. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I don't know. I grew up with, with some friends of mine who were real film freaks and who had a super eight camera and stuff. And I never belonged to those people. I just, I, I had my best friend and I, we grew up, um, living next to each other and we had a huge garden and we just always dressed up in different costumes and pretended we were in some other world or, or putting on theater plays or musicals and stuff like that. And it just never came to my mind that maybe film was something for me. Yeah. But, um, but when I did those traineeships, I realized that it was, um, so I don't know. I was looking for this kind of illusion that film creates and which theatre does, doesn't really cr- do anymore, which is, um, yeah, it's more, it's a lot about abstraction and um, interpreting old um, stuff, yeah, old plays in a new way. And film was actually telling, yeah, new stories and, but so concrete, <laughs> so real, so, and I kind of fell in love with that. And also this, these huge teams of people from all these different departments working together to, to just tell this one story that really Mm -hmm. fascinated me. And then I, um, I applied, um, at the film school in Munich and I was really lucky to get picked and, uh, there I was.
1: (laughs) You got into the hot FF, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: But but your feelings about between like theater and film, it was less about like, it it wasn't as if you didn't enjoy being, a performer in front of an audience, because I know that you play music and I know know that you enjoy that sensation of performing as much as I do. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like that you didn't enjoy the visceral feeling of performing something in person to people, but I think, was it more that you were just drawn more to the, um, was it like the, like the Um, aesthetic of film, like the, the idea of creating these stories through a lens, like having that much control of the story. Is that it? Or?
2: Yeah, maybe. And also, um, I think this,
1: um, did did it like allow you to have more, have a, did it allow you to have more control over the fantasy that you wanted to live in? Because theater in a, in a sense still has this wall that can't be put up between yeah I guess so
2: I think it's that that wall and it's also the the realism that you find in movies that you can really tell a story in a way that it feels like you're actually living through it and you're trying to create this perfect illusion of reality which in theater is not it's just not interesting anymore (laughs) I mean it existed there was this realism uh, period but it's not yeah it's not what's interesting about theater and I have um, huge respect for theater directors, but cause I think it's Absolutely. A, whole, a whole different art to what I'm doing in film. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, um, I think I found this in film and yeah, I'm still very happy about it.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> it was I the mean, right
2: choice, definitely. <laughs>
1: I can hear it in your voice that it was the right choice for sure. <laughs> You know, when I was in, I was in film school in New Orleans um, and I had kind of a similar revelation with you. Like the only difference being that I started with the intent of going into film, I just didn't know exactly where I fell in, in, in the category of film. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't exactly know what I was supposed to do or what I wanted to do. I just knew that like I needed to be associated with that industry somehow. Okay. And when I started, um, of course I took a lot of general courses, like, you know, film theory and like, you know picking up some cheap digital cameras and learning, you know, like the rule of thirds and all these basic things about like, you know, pa- like panning the camera, tilting, what kind of lens to use, all that stuff. Uh-huh. And the gear and the, the technical part of it, um, although I found it important, it didn't interest me as much as like the fantasy that I wanted to create with those tools. Uh-huh. And I remember that I had to take some acting classes as well. And I took these um, like improv courses and some, some acting classes. And I found that if the teacher had come from a theater background that I, nothing against them, they were, they were great people, but I found myself enjoying the courses less if I found it very theater performance driven Mm -hmm. and less of like training someone to be able to adapt to either one, either medium, you know? And then I had another uh, acting coach or acting teacher that was really focused on pulling things out of you that you can, that really flourish on, on screen, you know? And I, I was like, Oh, I really like this. I like these tools. I like this kind of, um, you know, this motivation behind the things that you're being taught. And, um, so just like you, I I found myself like if it leaned more towards, you know, what can be told through, this lens and how can I Mm -hmm. bring this to life in the best way um I always found that just a bit more interesting to me personally than theater
2: yeah I think me too and and I also love the editing part for example it's just where you even you you're perfecting this art form somehow you you take what you shot which was already uh like really real and then you edit it although it's Um, it's less real because it's not real time anymore. It becomes so, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it becomes like a, well,
1: the thing is like, it becomes its own entirely different product. You know, like you, you're kind of like God in that moment and you're changing the, you can change the the feeling of the story. You can change the... And you're creating
2: emotions. I think it's that part also. I'm really, for me, it's the most important part about making movies is really telling emotions and getting them to the audience. And yeah. And that's what you're doing also with editing. It's just, you're, you're bringing the emotions even closer to the lens. And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I really dig that too. I really dig that too. So when you came, um, so let me just ask this, this is probably a really dumb question, but actually (laughs) Luxembourg, the language there in German, how, how, how different are they?
2: Um, they're very close, but they're still very different. It's. I think it's. It must be a bit like the difference between German and Dutch, I guess, or German and uh, Swiss, Swiss German, something ah, like okay. that. So, so it, you, okay. as a German, as a German-speaking person, you do understand what a Luxembourgish person is talking about, but you don't get every word. Um, okay.
1: So it, would you it, would you attribute it more to like a dialect difference it, or yeah, just like a
3: um, it was actually
2: a dialect. It 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 came out of a dialect, the Moselfränkisch, which is the Trier region, very close to Luxembourg. And it oh. just developed uh, from that. And it's, um, so it's, a, it, yeah, it, it came from a German dialect. It has a lot of uh, French influence as well, many French words, but the grammar is mostly uh, like German, yeah.
1: Okay. So when you came to Munich, you really didn't have a hiccup with adjusting to, well, did you have a hiccup like adjusting to B- to Bavarian or was it harder to get into like <laughs> yes, Hochdeutsch or something?
2: Yeah. Because my mom's German. I'm I'm not Luxembourg. Like my parents are not Luxembourgish. My mom is German and my dad is half French and half Scottish. So, and oh, <laughs> okay.
1: You're a true, a true artsy fartsy immigrant then. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's all over the true, place.
2: True European artsy fartsy immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> Um, We spoke French and German at home, and and, and I learned Luxembourgish through school and my friends. Um, but yeah, Bavarian was new. But yeah, I think I've kind of adapted.
3: Hmm.
1: Oh man! So how many languages do you speak actually? Um, German, I would say, French. Yeah,
2: like I have three mother tongues. I would say French, German, Luxembourgish. And then I learned English at school and I learned Italian at school, but I'm really bad at speaking Italian. I do understand a lot, but um, I'm really bad. And I I started learning Dutch two years ago.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. With Babel.
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: now you're just showing off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's it. <laughs>
1: that's crazy that your dad was half Scottish, but you didn't speak English at home at all, right?
2: Yeah, but my parents, they they, um, they met in France. And they ah. were both studying French at university, and they speak French with each other, and also uh, German and, and, and French are both um, official languages in Luxembourg, together ah, okay. with Luxembourgish. So, so that it was just more useful, I guess. So even
1: even just for a population of six hundred thousand approximately, there's still three languages that yeah. are spoken completely normally mixed around. Yes. Oh wow, that's really interesting. That kind yeah. of makes. That's kind of reminds me a little bit, just the like the tiniest little bit of New Orleans, even though of course it's, you know, ninety-nine point nine 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 percent English. But there is a huge community there of um Spanish speakers, French speakers, okay. old like Creole French, which yeah. is like a fading language. And um there's even a little bit of like Afrikaans, but like very, 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 very oh, little. Oh wow. Very little. I mean, just probably a handful of people, but um, and I could be even wrong if that's still the truth now, but there's so much African, Spanish and French influence mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, I love that. I always love that about that city. you never know, like you walk yeah. around what, what you're going to hear and stuff. But
2: Oh my God, I would love it. I, I, I realized um, quite late that um, I'm really missing the this multilingual and multicultural thing about Luxembourg. Because we have almost, I just read that a few days ago, almost 70% foreigners in Luxembourg
1: really there's,
2: yeah there's only 30 percent of the population are still luxembourgish like yeah and and uh we have 25 percent of the population i think are portuguese oh wow yes and then you have all these um because uh, parts of the european institutions are in luxembourg and um, we have yeah we have all those uh, european languages and stuff and it's if you walk through town, you hear, you will hear at least 10 different languages around you always.
1: Yeah.
2: And I really I miss that. that. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: I think that that also makes me think about one thing I missed about coming from the South, which is that one thing I had to acclimate to living in, in, in Germany, like in Europe in general, but like mostly in Germany or in Southern Germany mm-hmm. was that, uh, I'm really accustomed to being, um, around lots and lots and lots of black people. Mm -hmm. and especially from new Orleans, it's, um, I don't know how it is now, but it was, I think at the time it was like majority African-American, around the time that I left and, you know, of course stemming from the food and from the music and from the culture and stuff. And having that even, it was less in Mississippi, uh, when I grew up, but, um, in new Orleans, it was very commonplace and it felt like that became a part of your every, like your life, you know, in Mm -hmm. a way. And it's something you don't think about that, when it's gone, you realize I didn't know that I'm like, that I'm missing this kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like maybe a year or a year or so in Munich after I moved. And there was one day where I just, I don't know, we went to some outing, maybe it was was like a concert or like an open air thing. And I just kind of, I don't know, kind of looked around. It was only like white 20 something year olds. Mm -hmm. I was like, this feels kind of weird. It feels like we've like segregated somehow. Yeah, You know, but then, you know, then of course I had to learn like Jordan, you know, like Germany didn't have slavery. So of course, you know, there's not going to be this multitude of black people that, you know, you know, grows from that and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't even like, I'm so dumb. I didn't consider that's why I'm so used to seeing it, you know?
2: Yeah, but still, I, I, I also, um, I, I also find it strange. (laughs) I must say it's really, um, if, if, even if you go to France, it's very different. Okay, of course they had more colonies in Africa than on the African continent than Germany, but still, it's mm-hmm. so. And I mean, Bavaria is, I think, is even worse than the rest of Germany. It's so white.
3: Yeah,
2: we have lots really... of Turkish people, um, but mm-hmm. but in Munich, you don't really see them. Somehow, I don't know. I yeah, think it's, it's
1: getting. I think it's getting a little bit better since uh, Germany let in all the refugees.
2: Yeah, that's true
1: you see it, you see it more now. I think maybe last year was the first year or maybe even earlier this year was the first time I th- I felt like, okay, like uh-huh. now I'm seeing some color around the river and like around the city a bit, which felt good. It felt like this is right. We should be doing this, you know?
3: Yeah. But yeah, the definitely. first two or
1: three years, I always felt like this is like this kind of weird. You know, I'm, I felt like, I don't know. I had, I felt like I had like gentrified a whole neighborhood and kicked everybody out. you know? And I was like, <laughs> this feels wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah, but it's 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 just part of you know i I think I'm still always gonna be in that position where I have to remember that I'm on a totally different part of the world that's operated very differently from my part of the world for much longer, and it's i'm I'm always gonna be a little surprised by something yeah definitely time, you know
2: D- definitely i when I left luxembourg i th- i think Maybe because it is so international, everybody wants to get out, as as all the young people. They want to get out and they want to see the world and they want to study abroad and learn languages and stuff. And the big shock for me was that everywhere I landed, I mean, I didn't get that far, but I studied in England, France, uh, Germany, and everywhere I landed, it was really national. And it was really late that I realized that I was looking for this multiculturalism and and not for, I don't know what, to get away. It was it's I don't know it's yeah when I was in England it was really really English and they were so narrow-minded I felt Mm -hmm. but it's the same here and it's the same in France because everywhere you land it's you're surrounded by people from that country (laughs) and what I'm missing is just to have like so many international friends and change languages all the time and stuff it's um and it's really difficult to find that but I really think I need to go to New Orleans one day.
1: (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Well, that's mandatory. As soon as the, as soon as the flying opens back up again, safely, you should definitely plan a vacation there.
2: Yes. And how are you feeling? How is it for you to, how how long have you been in Munich for?
1: This is the fifth year.
2: Okay. So, and how do you feel about it? (laughs) How do you feel in Munich?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. No, I'm kidding.
2: (laughs) Apart from everything's so white.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I mean, I talk about it a lot on the show, how, you know, there's always going to be, um, occasional moments where I question, I don't know, question like if it's, if like this is the, exactly the right city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like I, oh, well, the thing is for me that I also, I just struggle so much with the language. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. the, the main part of it. I'm, you know, I'm back in German courses now. I just restarted, um, last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have to pass the B1 level for my visa, but then, you know, I still really need to like get further than that to a very comfortable level. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I I live here and I need to get better at it. I need to be able to, you know, um, be more of a supportive partner uh, to my wife and to be like, be more acclimated to the world. Like I have to basically swallow this thing that I, hate getting through because I'm so difficult with, uh, it's so difficult for me with languages. Mm -hmm. I think I have to just kind of still swallow this thing of like, okay, it's really hard and you don't enjoy doing it, but you have to do it. So just grow up and like, just do it. Do it for your partner, (laughs) do it for your future kids. Like do it because it's not about me anymore, you know? And I think that's the hardest part probably is like learning this language and living here has become less about me wanting to do it or me taking it because I think it's the right idea, but more of like, it's not about really just me anymore. Okay. And, yeah. You know, it's just something I've had to learn and it's, it's always like a rocky road, but if I think once I get a bit more comfortable with the language and I'm really taking this new course seriously and stuff, then I think I'm going to be a bit more um, like outgoing with trying mm-hmm. to blend in a bit more. I would say the last like pre-corona, which was 100 million years ago, (laughs) um, I would say like 2017 to 2019 was really, really good for me where I I was, you know, playing a lot of concerts and I was, um, you know, seeing a lot of Germany and meeting a lot of musicians and, and like, going to a lot of cool bars and like checking out Berlin and Hamburg and Leipzig and Cologne and, you know, parts Mm -hmm. of Munich I hadn't seen before and feeling like, okay, I can do this. It was a very, it was a very confident confidence building couple of years there. Yeah. And I had finally felt like, okay, I've made a little name for myself with like this little indie music circle. And um, I felt that the stuff that I was creating was, was good, that people were listening to it. And I think, That progress would have just kept climbing if Corona hadn't hit so hard. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I think since March or so, everything slowed down so heavily. I mean, Mm -hmm. we pushed this new album back, you know, like 18 months (gasps) and we may have to push it again, you know, because we can't tour because, um, since February or March, um, I've only had like two online concerts, which sucks. I hate, I hate online concerts. You know, I had but I one. Liked it. You
2: know, <laughs> I you like it? Yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure. Like um, it, the thing is, it's it is convenient, and it is it is. um, Did you mean you enjoyed playing? No, I know, I enjoyed
2: watching you. <laughs>
1: oh, that's oh, I <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I, I think I misunderstood. <laughs>
2: no, it must be um, horrible I mean, there
1: was this. There was, of course, this Instagram one, which was really fun. Yeah, that's, that's the one I watched. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was just. <laughs> um, I wanted to like have some fun with people, but. It was like an official one. There was like an there was like a festival oh, okay. that that canceled, and they turned it into an online concert. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. I still got paid for it and everything. Um, but it's just it's just not the same no. sensation, you know.
2: No, it's not. You need I, the people yeah. for feedback, and um, the band I, I'm singing in. We had a concert um, what two, two weeks ago, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really nice. We had like 150 people. It was open air. We were really lucky with the weather and everything. But already because people weren't allowed to stand up and dance. (laughs) They were all just sitting down and I, I tried to dance on stage just to, you know, get into the mood, but I felt so stupid with all these people just sitting down there and just, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Watching me go crazy.
1: Um, (laughs) It's almost uh, like when they can't move with you, they're just judging you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It feels like they're judging you. So, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we have an Um. online concert too in, um, in October, the Digital Analog, it's, the mm-hmm. GASTAG is uh, organizing it. And I just don't know how it will be, but it, it will, I don't know. It must be really strange when you're playing and nobody's watching you.
1: Um, right? You should plug that if you want. If people Do people, do they sign in for free or is it an online ticket?
2: Um, It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably for kn- free, I guess.
1: Do you know where people can uh, find the link for it?
2: I think um, you can find it. They have a YouTube channel and um, on Facebook. What's the
1: name of your band so people can look it up?
2: Oh, the band is called the Lone Dining Society.
1: L-O-N-E, the Lone Dining Society, Yes, right? for
2: lone diners, people who want to dine alone.
1: Well, Corona, that seems pretty accurate.
2: <laughs> yes, it's uh, the Corona title.
1: What would but you say is, is like before.
2: the... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, time. You
1: know. I was just going to say, like, how would you describe the band? Because I think you showed me two or three songs from the band before. And it, it is really fun. Would you say it's more like in the direction of like folky or rocky or?
2: Um, uh, phew, I don't know all the, the right terms. And I think the band is struggling with defining. The
1: kind you know of what? That's actually kind of a shitty question on my part. I do hate getting that question. On my own, <laughs> so I shouldn't have asked it to anybody But else. I know
2: that on the website, I think it says something like, Pop rock and folk, and okay,
1: that makes sense. And yeah, some
2: circus elements or something. Sometimes we just go crazy.
1: You know, it's we- wild. There's um there's a few websites I've used in the past. Like right now, I'm working with a label for the new record, but before that, I've done everything like independently. And there's a few websites you can use to try and uh, get your music listened to by um, like bloggers or like magazines or people just to, just to check it out. And if they want to do a write up or something, you can.
2: Oh, cool. Um,
1: you can send it out and. I, I did one, I think one of the first ones I did was for this, um, this song parade. It was from like 2015 and I had just discovered the site and was like going through it. And then it came down to the, um, the genre list because uh-huh. you can it splits up the curators by like, if they only do, you know, if they only listen to hip hop or EDM or something, then if you're a certain genre, it'll just put their names at the very bottom of the list because it's the least interested. Okay. And, uh, I remember having the hardest time, especially with the last record too, for certain songs. Just it, they're so limited these these uh-huh. genre lists, and it and it kind of puts this stamp on your forehead of like yeah. you're that, and they're not gonna like it because they don't like that stamp. Yeah, and it's like, but maybe they maybe they do. I mean, I I look at my music list on Spotify, and the the range of variety of things I like is so wide, you
2: uh-huh. know, exactly, and I was, yeah. you
1: know, it's like Carol King or, but the next would be like Anderson pack, but then it would be like some, you know, grime rap or something. And then it would be, you know, classical. And I always feel like these genre sites or these genre tastemakers are always very, um, very limited or yeah. they can be.
2: Yeah, maybe know. you invented a whole new style, and then you can't put it into a category.
1: <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What if it was? Yeah. Exactly. What if I, if it was kind of this experimental thing, and people just can't be like, no, it's indie pop, or yeah. whatever you know.
3: <laughs> well, I don't
2: like indie pop, so I will never listen to this. <laughs> oh man. Oh. It's,
1: it was. Um. You know, it's funny. Like, you must have this experience too, being in music and and being in in Munich. But you know, if if you ever get um like interviewed by, I don't know, let's say like a newspaper or a magazine or, um, even just some local, you know, people from a concert or something, you tend to get, um, the same, well, I tend to get a lot like the same three or four questions, Mm -hmm. uh, pretty often. Um, you know, it's always like, (laughs) when did you start playing guitar and (laughs) who would you say are your inspirations and why did you move to Munich? Um, and there's this one time where um I we had released this new single in May called The Crooked Rail. Uh-huh yeah. and and this radio station in some college town, I don't even remember what the name of the town is. I have to look that up for the for the show later. But um this guy had written to the label and was like, Hey, I would love to play Jordan's song on, on rotation this week, but I want I'd like to get an interview. And so we set it up like a phone call just like this. And Mm -hmm. um, it was the greatest, um, interview as a musician I have ever had. (laughs) It was incredible. Like he had me, he had me stunned at the research he had done because he had like gone through older songs on the previous records and like he'd gone through the text. He'd gone through more than just like my Wikipedia page or something.
3: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and it was so
1: rewarding. He had like these Aww. fantastic questions about like the meaning of the message to, you know, this kind of person from the last record. And it was like, Aww, that's so oh, man, nice. like, you know, I got to think wow. about it. And I was I was wondering, like, um, you know, do you do you often have these kinds of interactions of, about your music or was there ever a moment where you felt um, really rewarded by someone's reaction to it?
2: No, I can't say that about the music because I'm only singing in the band. I'm more like a background singer and, um, Ian, the band leader, he writes all the songs. Um, so you oh, would have okay. to ask him, but you could interview him because he's from, uh, from England. He's also, he also moved to Munich and, uh, is an art, an artsy immigrant.
1: <laughs> oh, what's his name?
2: Uh, Ian Chapman.
1: Ian Chapman. Yeah. And okay. Yeah, he could be um, the next one. That'd be great.
2: Yeah, you could ask him because he—I'm sure he has lots, lots of things to tell. And um, yeah, he has really, really like I love his music. I was a fan of his music before I started singing in the band, so I feel really blessed. And he writes amazing lyrics. But um, yeah, I'm not a really good songwriter. I have some songs, but I've—I n- would never show them to anyone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I know that feeling. Like there, yeah, I, I do know that feeling. I like, I know that I put some things out, but there are definitely, there are definitely way more. Like for every one song I've put out, there's five that I would really? happily burn. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <gasps> oh, but like you're singing in this band, and and you know you have such a like breathtakingly beautiful singing voice, and I wondered oh, if you had it. if you had honed that in your education, like in, in South England, or if you had just always had the skill or did you train for it? <laughs>
2: um, no, I never trained for it. And I just, um, my dad is the musician, like a hobby musician, but, um, mm-hmm. he has six brothers and sisters and they used to make music together and they come from the folk direction. Like they, um, they played Irish and Scottish tunes and <clears throat> um, also French songs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just grew up with that kind of music, I guess, and, and just started singing when I was a child. Um, I went to church with, with my parents also, and my, my dad is the musician in church and, um, I just sang there every Sunday and yeah, that's, that's my education. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, now I, I founded, I founded a choir in Munich and, uh, you did. Yes, and since then I've learned a lot about how you can improve your your singing skills and and how yeah what's good for your voice and what isn't. But um, but yeah, before that I, I yeah I just sang yeah.
1: <laughs> what's the What's the name of the choir?
2: The choir is called Vogel. Uh, you forget, uh, oh the bird, yeah, right. The I know birds. this one.
1: I know this choir. Yeah, of course. It's Duh. The
2: filmmaker's choir. Only film yeah, people tell us are allowed a, Tell to sing. us a little
1: bit about, um, <laughs> about the kind of music that you sing specifically. Cause this is pretty cool.
2: Yeah. We, we sing only film music and, um, we have, um, we have actors and directors and sound engineers and camera assistants and uh, editors and and everyone who works in the film business is allowed to sing with us. Even if they can't sing, we we allow everyone to join us because it's so much fun. And we (laughs) sing, um, yeah, we sing different songs and tunes like the, the, um, the game of Thrones, um, intro and we sing, we just released our new video yesterday. Um, it's bang bang from kill bill. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. we have a really nice YouTube channel where we started, um, making those videos during the lockdown. Everybody could record their voice, um, at home and we all dressed up in funny costumes and.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so De Vögel and the Lone Dining Society, they both have like YouTube and Instagram, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. I'll, I'll get a, um, I'll put the link. Cool. If anyone wants to check out these two bands, uh, the choir and the band, I'll put the links in the description of the show in the show notes so they can, they can just click the link there and check it out directly.
2: Nice. Very good.
1: <laughs> Got to promote those local musicians, man. I'm all, I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you said you, you said you really miss like being around a lot of mixed cultures and, mm-hmm. and different languages and stuff. Do you imagine that you would want to leave Munich? And if so, where would you go?
2: I think that's the main theme in my life at the moment. <laughs>
3: Actually, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I've been thinking about leaving Munich for years and I still haven't done it because I kind of, well, you must know how it is. You you just build your life somewhere and then you have your friends there and you have your contacts there for work and yeah. it's not that easy to leave. And then it, there's the question where to, I, I, i I, i'm i'm starting to think about the possibility of maybe moving back to luxembourg one day (laughs) which was never. yeah it was never an option for me because i I didn't i I always thought it's too small and too um i always I, i was always scared that that it was too limited for the opportunities in my job were too limited but um
1: I would say but, that, and it, you know, it also seems a little bit too small. And I mean this in a positive way. I think it's a bit too small for your personality.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, maybe I don't know, but but I, um,
1: you know, you're really outgoing. You're in a choir. You have a band. You're working in film, yeah, and yeah. That, you know, you're very social and easy to talk to and like fun. I feel like uh, uh, then again, like I said, you're the second person I've ever met from there. So I don't know. Maybe everyone from there is like
2: that. <laughs> Yeah, I think many people are like that. I, I kind of miss my friends because I think many of my friends are like that somehow. I don't know why. <laughs> um, okay. And and when I, I... I spent the whole lockdown at my parents' place in Luxembourg. And I was there for five months. And mm. I, I started kind of um, realizing what I was missing in in Munich or what, what doesn't make me happy in Munich or things like that, like this international part um or also just it's my home i don't know you you i guess you must miss your home too and the culture shock is much bigger for you but that's why i never i never thought it was possible that i was missing home because it's so close to germany but i kind of do (laughs) so i'm yeah uh, yeah i do get that though and the the film film business um it's a big uh it's a uh, say, yeah, the film community and film business and stuff in Luxembourg is really big, so there are there are opportunities. But um, the other op- possibility for me, I think, is Berlin. And I, I can I've, see that. Yeah, I've been thinking about moving to Berlin for quite some time now, but um, yeah, I don't know. The weather's really bad in Munich and. Uh, in, in 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 Berlin, I mean, <laughs> it's really cold. <laughs> it's in winter. Yeah, it's pretty
1: cold and windy, right?
2: <laughs> yes, and it's it's so gray, and maybe it's even too big. I'm not sure. I I I think I'll have to try it and just move there for a year or something and just try it out. I guess.
1: Isn't I have- there this um, kind of saying in Berlin? Like, um, just because you mentioned how spread out and how big it is, mm-hmm. isn't there like a saying that everyone who lives there says where if you if you ask like oh, where's the so-and-so uh, doctor's office? Mm-hmm. And you look on your phone and it says like, I don't know, 45 minutes away from where you are. Mm-hmm. Then someone from Berlin, I think I've heard this somewhere where they say like, oh, it's just 45 minutes, but like for Berlin yeah. time or something like that, right? They always make it sound like, yeah, you know, but for Berlin, it's half yeah, an Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, yeah. I mean, that's a really nice part about Munich is that I don't. I live Everything in, is in the close city here. center, and it's just yeah. I, I can do so much by foot or. Yeah, what I neighborhood?
1: What neighborhood do you stay in in Munich?
2: I live. Um, I live in Maxvorstadt, very close to um, the art academy.
1: Oh, and, that's really uh, nice. Okay.
2: The Ari Cinema movie theater. It's just yeah. I just live right next door to that.
1: Have you been back to the cinema since uh, some of them reopened?
2: No, I haven't. Have you?
1: I went one time I saw Tenet.
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs> <It's the
1: laughs> I had only to, movie you know?
2: everyone's seen since the lockdown. No, I haven't seen it. Um yeah, I think I should go. How how I
1: mean, I don't how know how you it? are about Chris Nolan, but I'd say like if you're going to see that, one, you should still see it in cinema before it goes out.
2: Yeah, probably. Everyone tells me it's 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 even uh, more complicated than all his other movies, and that you don't understand anything. But
1: uh, no, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say it's, you know, it, I don't know what kind of flack I might get for this. I'd say it's like his weakest. Um, Story just because he overcomplicated it so much that okay. it's almost not enjoyable. Like, you don't really know who anybody is and you don't ever mm-hmm. really know what's going on. I see. <laughs> but it's just so visually stunning. I think it's just a theater experience. Yeah. Okay. You know? Send him my experience.
2: Great. Then I yeah. will I'll go and watch it
1: <laughs> You could just go in there and Put headphones on And like listen to your Listen to Radiohead Or something <laughs> yeah. Eat some popcorn <laughs> Or
2: to your music And just music. go like I could, wow I could listen to your music And, uh, and watch <laughs> Don't the ruin video.
1: your experience just <laughs> no. I want you to enjoy the experience
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin your music We'll see could Yeah be <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Could be a test
1: <laughs> Oh man <laughs> What's yeah. your, so what are what are your next projects? Like you said that you were on set in July or, and are you, you're writing on things right now or what, what, you know, can we yeah, expect anything from you?
2: Yeah. Mostly writing in my office. I'm, I'm, um, I've been writing the script for a children's movie for a few years now. And, mm-hmm. um, it's about supposed to be shot next year in, in summertime, but now with Corona, we're not sure that we'll be able to, because we we lost at least six months of, of, um, uh, yeah, preparing pr- prep work. So, um, but yeah, I'm working on the new, on the new uh, draft of the script of that. And then I'm also, um, um, writing the, the, the adaptation of a best-selling novel, um, and I'm writing the script together with the author of the novel.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. That must be exciting
2: yeah yeah it's quite exciting it's uh yeah and it's a really really nice story and i was really lucky to um um it was actually um um uh, they showed it at the berlinale Mm
3: -hmm. there's
2: this thing called books at berlinale where where they can um um yeah where they they show some new um novels that where they think that they could be made into films and um uh, a, a friend of mine who's a producer in Luxembourg and I, we, we read, uh, this novel and we just thought, oh, it would be so nice to do that. And, um, yeah, we got the rights. We were really lucky.
1: That's so, amazing. Yeah. That yeah. is really difficult to get done.
2: Yes. Yeah. We were really lucky, <laughs> but we, I think we were the only ones who didn't want to make this big mainstream comedy out of it because the, the humor is so nice. It's a really it's tragic, comical, And it's really sad at times and then really funny in others. And, um, it's really important that that doesn't get lost. And I think, um, that's why, yeah, they chose us.
1: (laughs) Would you say out of the different kinds of projects that you've been writing on over the years, whether it be, you know, comedy or tragedy or romance, or is there like a certain... Line of film story or story in general that you're really drawn to, like you just mentioned this this tragic comedy. And for me, that's yeah. kind of my favorite, like black humor or just you know dramedy in, in yeah, a sense. For like this combination. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, as well?
2: Yeah, for me definitely. All my favorite movies are kind of tragic comical. And um, do you
1: have like a, f- a few of your favorites on mind in mind?
2: Well, I'm I I, I like a lot of um, American indie movies actually. Uh, and french movies i think they um i think there's a big problem in in the german um <laughs> german films that they don't they always try to do one or the other and um, i agree
1: yeah that is so, they're like there's a lot of um as you can probably imagine like having met people like you and a few other of our mutual friends throughout the years in the munich film scene um that seems to be like a, a connecting Theme amongst everyone is that there is this limitation in the German film industry.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like they don't want to take the risk of of trying to blend genres to make it. You know, because the thing is, life isn't really one genre or the other. And I think a good story exactly m- makes you feel all of those things in one. You know, yeah. like crying here but laughing there, and you know, exactly, yeah, longing and everything. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I think yeah. probably like my favorite, my favorite one. In that direction, I, th- I think I'll always have this real emotional connection. Maybe it was just because I was at the right age at the right time. But um, I mean, it's probably everyone's favorite indie movie, but the Royal Tenenbaums when it came mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it was just this I had just never seen like I didn't know Rushmore. I didn't know Bottle Rocket. Like I didn't know anything from Wes Anderson at that time. And I think it came out in like 2001 And then a few years later, I think I was like a teenager or something. And I saw it for the first time and it just took my breath away. It was like, so sad. Some of these relationships, like, you know, this, it talks about suicide. It talks about like, like Mm. father abuse and lies and money laundering and affairs. But it also was really funny and quirky at the same time. Mm -hmm. And like, (laughs) I don't know, like you just see like Ben Stiller's character, how he, over worries, over, over protects his children because his wife died, and he's he's that scar won't leave him, and you know, and um the brothers like the Wilson guys, they're they're jealous over Margo because they're both kind of in love, but they're too different, and she's also kind of related to one of them, and um, you know, then you have the father like the Gene Hackman character who's lied to all of them and abused them, mm-hmm. and, but it's so funny, it's also yeah, very yeah. funny, so I think okay. that's something that I haven't really seen too much in in German cinema like not that I've watched that many things but
2: no somehow it's it's either like really comedy 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 or it's or it's kind of black weird comedy but that's mostly in more like artsy farty um, (laughs) (laughs) German movies sometimes they have a really strange humor that I don't really get Um, or it's really tragic but then it's really depressively tragic I don't know one of right, my favorite like, movies. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no. I was just saying, like, yeah, that's something I've learned too. Is it's either a film like um, Lebeke's Junkie or something like a funny, quirky yeah. movie, or it's a movie about the Holocaust.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and one of my favorite movies is Little Miss Sunshine.
1: Oh yeah, same
2: yeah and it's so i mean it's so funny but it's also when the grandfather dies it's really sad but also her the character of the little girl it's she's really funny but she's also kind of so sad because because it's so embarrassing and i don't know i just i just love that
1: that's an amazing script that's such a such a well-told story and so intelligent it hits all the right buttons you know
2: yeah exactly yeah
1: That's really great. Mm. Um, well, Eileen, I really, I, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you're busy today, but I wanted to say thank <laughs> you so much for, for letting us into your life a little bit.
2: Well, thank you for, uh, yeah, being interested in my boring life. but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Far I from boring, really
2: honored, I'd say. I feel really honored to be part of your show. <laughs>
0: Another gin, so
1: let's jump back in. Let's gin right back into it, my friend. <laughs> Man, what a really cool interview. Eileen is such a lovely, uh, kind person, and we really appreciate her spending time uh, for our show. And uh, I wanted to ask you, actually, if, if you've ever been to Luxembourg.
0: Uh, no, not at all.
1: I, don't, I, I, I told no. her, uh, we talked about it in the interview, but she's the, only the second person that I've ever uh, met from, from there ever. It's funny they seem like she said they seem to come out, but I don't know a lot of people that are going in. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I haven't met a lot of people that are migrating there that aren't from there, you know. She says there's a lot of a lot of foreigners you, you there. You know
0: how how tiny Luxembourg is?
1: She says it's about 600,000 people, 600,000, yeah. which is pretty small.
0: Yeah. But um yeah, I don't know. I it's I like this super tiny City and a little bit around it between Belgium, the Netherlands, and Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, 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 no. F- France, Belgium, and Germany. Mm-hmm. um No, but I've never been there yet. Yeah, me either. Me either.
1: But there was one, um, we talked about this idea of like what is kind of wrong with German.
3: Luxembourg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, we did talk about <laughs> some of that. Um, but like um, like things wrong with uh, German cinema. Because I, I know that you're not like the craziest movie guy. And you, yeah. I know that we connect on a lot of movies, but it's not as if you're trying to watch movies every single day. But I wondered if you noticed also this kind of weird problem with German cinema that they, they tend to like box in certain genres. You know, like we talked about how in German cinema, usually it's either like, a really loose, funny comedy like Lebe case Junkie or something. Or it's a movie about the Holocaust. Yeah. You know, there's not like um a, a film that can easily combine like tragedy and comedy together as the same way that maybe American cinema or or, or UK cinema can.
0: Or French, obviously, because or French, I right. Don't underestimate them. That's if you if you regard um so i'm I'm not a big um movie guy in terms of um seeing a movie every other day or something mm-hmm. but um when it comes to cinema culture Fran- france is was the driving force over the past one hundred and twenty years or whatever in Europe and still has the the biggest um cinematic culture still they do yeah so oh, and wow higher budgets for productions etc okay. um and so and definitely absolutely definitely absolutely no pro <laughs> 100% in 100% totally no doubt <laughs> what, how I would see it is just like mm, foreign cinema markets mm-hmm. are too strong and germany has a um has a huge culture of of um, high quality dubbing of uh, foreign movies. Right, right. And I th- see it like I'm absolutely no pro but I see it like okay um, those genres you mentioned are the only two that work in Germany because every other niche is already filled by hollywood by maybe french english whatever Mm. form of but don't you think it'd be kind of cool to see that
1: kind of idea originate from within the country
0: would be super cool and because now we're going back full circle because um Hmm. there are those kind of things they i think they just don't get enough attention okay and it's May rather be because of the market um, shows and series rather than um, like than movies. like like feature films. Yeah. Ah, okay. Because um, yeah, cool. a few weeks ago, a show came up on um, the ARD Mediathek, mm-hmm. so public broadcasting, and it's called Oktoberfest 1900. Okay. And it's this kind of historic um historical drama series based mm-hmm. on real events um and it's amazing um i guess you had something to do with Hinderfing didn't you That's right yeah some of some of the guys from Hinderfing are in there as well Ah okay it's also a bayerische rundfunk production as far as i remember it mm-hmm. um and it is about the guy who, in, a, in 1900, who was the guy who started commercializing the Oktoberfest. Oh. Like, the, the guy who said, okay, no, no, we're not doing this, those little huts and the, here's a clown, there's some beer, <laughs> there's some candy, whatever. Yeah. We're going to build tents that fit 6,000 people. Um, and there's a lot That's a cool of story. There's a, there's a lot of and it's and it's it's dramatic. There's a lot of there's murder. There's a lot of um, mm. weird politics cetera, and it's it's amazing. I don't know if there's a an English dubbed version, right? Um, but maybe it could be a cool challenge for you to to watch it in German. Maybe yeah. Um, maybe together to, together with your wife. Mm-hmm. Um. And Tony and I just just uh, started a few days ago, and we're totally addicted. It's amazing, but it's all based on truth. It's based on true true events. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some things are fabricated. They they and... they fill the, the the gaps in between. Sure, yeah, of course. but um, it's it's like it's amazing. Imagine a kind of kind of style regarding the the scenery and the. Um and the costumes, et cetera, like mm-hmm. something like Downton Abbey, okay, but not in a in this in it is not this kind of cheesy storytelling about English aristocrats, et cetera right, it's just
1: a similar time
0: period yeah, style. similar time period and similar style of of images and and landscape and, 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 and landscape and coverage et cetera right and it is an amazing show so for for all our German listeners, go to ard mediathek And watch Oktoberfest 1900. It is absolutely great. I love it. A lot of...
1: uh, Germany's been putting out a lot of, of, like, historical shows. Like, there was, like... um, There's Berlin 1986, I think, is another show? Or
0: 1986? Kudam 56. 58, however. Yeah, but this kind of stuff. Uh, Babylon Berlin. Babylon Berlin, that's the next one I was going to say. Have you seen that one?
1: No, but I heard it's awesome. It's also
0: great. Yeah, they... and, And I think... It's kind of cool that they're showing more history than just the war because there's so much. Yeah, and I think there, there, that we are in a time of, of empowerment for for writers and directors mm-hmm. to go in that direction and to go in, in into different direction regarding storytelling. Mm-hmm. But I guess it still hasn't worked out in for for cinemas. That's a yep. funny. That's a funny little problem there. I wonder what the what the reason is but for that. Because uh, there there are still great German movies. I, th- I have to like, say, like yeah, we, we had we had Ali Reza on the show. I was just about to say like <laughs> that's
1: that's the one film I've seen. Yeah. that's, like from a you know a German like a German film through and through, that is very 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 entertaining. You know, and it's tragic and it's also funny. You have some some rosemary in your mouth. <laughs> it's it's you know, it has like sad parts, it has really funny parts, and like it you know, Ali is so
0: talented, man. Like that yeah. movie is great. And those and you have those kind of films, but um most of the time they are pretty niche and they might get some some award in, in Venice or in, in Cannes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um maybe some some good art house movies et cetera but um within the mainstream t- t- great storytelling and um original ideas right um are still not common in in German cinemas did you ever watch Hinderfing? uh
1: yes, what do you think about it actually i've i have i have only ever seen clips.
0: So you can be you can be brutally honest if you don't like I, I, it. I, I have I, no idea. I, I liked it for the there's are there one or two seasons. Now there's remember. two. Now there's two because okay. I, I've seen I've seen the first season then. Mm-hmm. Um. And in the beginning, I thought like, okay, guys, you're trying to sell me a Bavarian version of Breaking Bad. Hmm? Okay, but or after like Fargo or something. But after. The first two and a half episode, it re- episodes, it really catched me and I and I really liked it. That's and cool. The greatest German production I've seen through the past years is Dark. Yeah, everyone and talks about it. The only German Dark, production yeah. that has um reached such such um attention like massive on Netflix worldwide. internationally. Yeah. There has been after the after the hype for Stranger Things. For the second Stranger Things season. Yeah. Um has gone down a little bit I guess for on on IMDB mm-hmm. or something for a few weeks Dark has been the the highest rated Netflix show Oh, and around it, that time yeah af- oh, after after awesome. the, the the strange things hype was mm-hmm. gone right um, and I th- and I, w- I was like okay crazy I would have never imagined a German show to be internationally successful like this.
1: Yeah that's a, that actually is really surprising too especially because the show is not easy. Yeah. I mean I I, I still haven't seen it. I've only seen one episode of it. But I you every but like literally every single friend I have of all walks of life of every job and age and interest yeah. they all love the show. So I know that the show is like really plot driven, very mechanical, very very complicated. Yeah. And for me it's even more kind of crazy that a that a show in in German that is so plot heavy and so mechanical yeah, but they, can they, still have such international. But appeal. They,
0: they from the from the beginning they released it in in great dub versions in Spanish and English, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. the, the dub versions um are the only re- way my friends in America can watch yeah. it, but um but still the fact that the show is so yeah. so heavy and to be a German producer is, is really crazy. And the fact that he, they can even get into the dubbed thing, because for me, I always prefer subtitles. I, be, I always prefer to hear the no. the native language and, and read. Like whenever I watch German films, eh. what's the one? Um, like Veronica, I think it's Veronica. The, the one take film. Oh man, that's going to kill me if that's not the right name. Uh, it came out like three years ago. It's very good. And there's another German film I saw about like a, uh, a nurse caretaker at like an elderly hospital who falls in love with he's he's like the mas- like the th- massage therapist there and she's like working in the kitchen. That was also very good. Like any 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 film, like Korean film, yeah. I'm a big Korean film fan. Japanese horror, like all of these movies, I always prefer just to hear the voice uh, and read the subtitle. But a lot of people can't get over that hump. How
0: did you watch Parasite? Uh With subtitles. Okay. you watched it with dub? I Tony did. Th- for for you guys not, not seeing this room, um my girlfriend is here. Did we see Parasite in a dubbed German version or, or with, subtitles? It's only with, subtitles. It's only with subtitles? It's only with subtitles. Yeah. Then we watched it with s- subtitles, yeah. Right. Okay. But German subtitles of course.
1: Yeah, obviously because it's Korean. No, but there's also English subtitles. Yeah. But I didn't know. If but, was like I, I didn't every see version. no sense
0: in if it's not English. Right to to watch it with 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 English subtitles
1: right right I just wasn't sure if at the time when you watched it if there was already they were German, German, German subtitles. subtitles yeah that's cool. The funny thing is, too, like when when Bong Joon-ho won the Academy Award Mm -hmm. for that movie, he made a great statement, which I think is totally true. He's like, once you get over that tiny little hump of white letters at the bottom of the screen, there is an ocean of great cinema just waiting for you. Yeah. He's totally right, man. Yeah. He's totally right. There's so many great movies I've seen. I was a huge, huge fan of Spanish and Latin American cinema when I was in college. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of these movies are so breathtaking. Like, Inari Tu is like this amazing, amazing filmmaker. Um, Movies like Amores Peros. There's also a movie from uh, Michel Gondry called um, The Science of Sleep, where there's a lot of language that's subtitled. And that was already... Like, for some reason, for me, at like 17, getting into these kinds of movies, it didn't even... It didn't, I didn't hit like a roadblock at all with it. I just kind of rolled with it and it just made sense. Like after a few scenes, you just get used to it. And even now, which is funny too, whenever we watch things in English at home, if it's a kind of film where it's a little bit gritty, a little bit low key, maybe like a loud background noise, um, I will put subtitles on just to make sure that I get what's going on
0: Yeah. I think if I ever rewatch Tenet again, I will definitely put subtitles on. <laughs> but um, but it's funny because I guess that's definitely another experience for you than for me. Yeah, because you prefer dub, right? If you can, mm, no, mad because th- it's pretty German to have I, dub. I'll get to that that in a second. But okay. um, I guess in in our generation, for Germans, it has become pretty common to not watch dub versions. But um, because at some point it was clear, okay, um, you need you you might need to learn more English for for your career or whatever because everything is getting more and more international. Right. Plus, I guess our generation um, doesn't want to have those um, those. <laughs> those cliches um attached to them on how 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 germans speak english etc so you start watching i for myself um when i was 16 i started watching um porn <laughs> <laughs> also that but um um movies in, in english or ah, okay. original version yeah with, right with with, with subtitles mm-hmm. or uh, even without right but but from from when from when I was sixteen on, I I started watching English or American movies in original version, mm-hmm. and that's a thing. And you get used to it. And um, I watched like six episodes of the, of of The Office in English, etc., etc., etc. So right. you get used to it. And there's even even cultures where that um, because to get back to the to the the, the kind of dubbing culture, mm-hmm. like Scandinavians. One, one part of why so many people there um, have such a great understanding of English language, at least right. if, even if they don't, don't speak it that well, but understanding. Right. Because there are not such things as dubbing studios, etc. Right. There are subtitles in, in <coughs> Swedish and Norwegian and, and mm-hmm. Danish and uh, Finnish. Right. But they watch everything in English. Right. Right. On TV. And that's a big, big point. And I still sometimes am a big fan of, of dubbed versions of movies and shows because Germany is pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And there are some movies I really don't want to watch an original version, but Spencer movies. Right. I yeah, don't. You know that as it I is, stuff yeah. I don't. Uh, it's childhood memory, etc. And it's 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 great. It's enormous here. Yeah, of course. And of course, I, I get don't. That. I, I. You don't want to ruin I've the seen voice, that In, you in know. original in original version, but I still like this. And and back in the when was it? back in the sixties huh? seventies, so, yeah. And um, it was still another thing. And regarding um. Of what people were saying, they were already good, but regarding matching um lip motion, etc. Right. They were not at the point where they are now. Right. And it has to and it has something to it. Yeah. I, I don't want to see a Bud Spencer or Terrence Hill movie in the original version because I, I am such a big fan of those uh, German voices. Right. I mean that's kind of it like It has nothing to do with patriotism also, but it's, it's such a No, no, no c- of course. C- c- you
1: get used to it when you're a kid. Yeah. It's the same thing like when I would um I me and my friend Cody were Extremely into uh, kung fu films when we were uh, teenagers, we yeah. would watch all Who's kung not? fu films. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like Hong Kong cinema was the shit, and it you know like Jackie Chan spawned out of that culture and like made the most amazing movies and everything. Before that, Bruce Lee, of course, and that's only dubbed in English. You have it's like that's that's even its own joke how their mouth yeah. would move for like yeah. ten seconds after the English stopped. You know, and it's just funny to 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 see that. So I, I get that. I think I'm not I don't really have an issue with the dubbing industry and I don't have an issue with people that prefer it. Like I have this conversation with Ify's mom all the time because when we watch movies with her family together, um the conversation is always, Okay, well do we want a dubbed film and we have English subtitles? Or would you prefer that it's in in English or the language that it is in or whatever? with um with german subtitles. So it's always the debate, how do we want to do it? Because yeah. I always just want her to be comfortable, right? Yeah. I don't mind either way. Um and my only issue actually is not with anything like that. I think it's all subjective. As long as you as long as you can expose yourself to new cinema, there's no wrong way to do it. But my issue is that when I go to something like I have a projector that has an Apple TV and you can look at a myriad of films that have been made, you know, forever, whatever. And let's say that the film is an American movie. Yeah. And you want to buy the movie legitimately. You want to rent the movie for four euros and you want to watch, for example, we wanted to watch this Fairly Brothers movie, Stuck on You. It's a funny comedy you know Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear are Siamese twins. They fall in love with the same woman. It's a silly, funny movie from the same guys that did like something about Mary and Me, Myself yeah. and Irene, and it's great. And they only offer the German dubbed version. They don't even that offer sucks. the original version. Yeah,
0: and I how have the hell are they not missing out on that market, man? And me being a German, I have sometimes I have the same issue, and especially where I have an issue with with dubbed versions are documentaries sure i don't want to see that documentaries no and i still could get furious because um there is this great um rock and roll documentary i think privately we've talked about this it's called it might get loud oh yeah a history, yeah, yeah. A history of the electric guitar it's great with uh, jimmy page the edge and jack white that's right and it has been on youtube for quite a while in original version and i've watched it like five times. Mm-hmm. And then I was it and then I and then I was like okay, I can I I got to a point where where I would say okay, I have to watch this once a year because I just love it. It's great. Um, yeah. Um and then I bought it Except on Amazon <laughs> and found out they I bought the the, the, German, the German version because it's the, the the only thing they would they would they only offer it. They would offer. Yeah. yeah. And it still fr- frustrates me because that's a point where I know the voice of Jimmy Page <laughs> and Jack White. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to hear some stupid ass white German boy yeah. trying to imitate that. I don't want to hear that.
1: No, of course not. Of course not. I think it, the thing is also is it's not economically smart because they're missing out on the huge market of foreigners. Like, imagine you have you have like thousands of movies that are yeah. in English. And they don't imagine for one second that anybody who could ever move to Germany would ever speak that as the first language and want to watch it. Imagine how much more money they could make when people like me want to watch some like semi-successful comedy from the early 2000s. And it's in the language I want. That would be four more euros they could get yeah. from me and from, you know, whatever, 80 million other people who maybe just want to watch it in yeah. the original language.
0: It's and you crazy. cannot you, you cannot you cannot sell me the argument that it would be so difficult technically to just um make people buy this movie and then have the choice just like with everything you could stream on Netflix or Prime or whatever, mm-hmm. to choose between languages. Of course, it should be the it same exact option. It has been the same option. thing with DVDs. You buy a DVD wherever, and you have at least a choice of the original version or uh, or the three language other that you're languages. searching for. Yeah, Though there is a variety on where you might buy it. If you might, if you if you buy it in Asia, there might be I don't know Japanese, Chinese, and right. Korean plus the original version. Right. If you buy it in Germany, there's Italian, Spanish, French, and German, or whatever. Right. Fun fact um f- for some movies at a time um when you bought DVDs you could choose <laughs> um if you if you were a german um guy you could choose between german and austrian really <laughs> and I was like why oh wow okay that's just, that's a funny that's because pretty, for, Austria, for Austria, obviously, they have their, their kind of kind of slang and they use other terms for, for different things, yeah. which is a, a story on its own, but still, they sell the same dubbed version to Austria as they do to Germany. Oh, my God.
1: Imagine if you were going into a record store and you want to buy a record of the Rolling Stones And you realize when you get home that you could only listen to the dubbed version.
0: (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Dude, Tony and I have been um, today in this great um, original Chinese restaurant right around the corner Mm -hmm. and it is, I would say like super Chinese in terms of. It's super they tiny. have they have this no, no in, in, in terms of of the the surrounding and the, the entertainment they have within um, this okay. this restaurant because there is Chinese uh, TV program running on some on some screens mm-hmm. plus Chinese pop songs Ooh. and when we had our lunch there mm-hmm. we would listen to four Michael Jackson songs <laughs> in the Chinese, in chinese. <laughs>
3: yeah oh
0: my
1: god i really have to i really wonder what that sounded like <laughs> was he singing in chinese no
0: no it's, it was dubbed it's by like, someone else it's, it's like no no it's it's like like a cover with chinese lyrics okay crazy but super cheesy and so cheesy that it's that it's super funny again yeah um, it, becomes almost, it becomes
1: almost like a tr- like like a, almost um what do you call it when it's like ironically yeah. fun, fun in a way?
0: Have you ever been to gute Nachtwurst? One time, yes, but you know, you know there. the place. It's a place that sells currywurst. In right. all, uh, it's not too branches. far from from Berghof, right? Yeah, 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 Is not it's far from, from right. And they have um, those playlists where they play popular chart hits mm-hmm. in rocksteady or reggae or jazz versions. Oh my all night <laughs> and it can really suck and sometimes it's super funny dude sometimes I'm sure it's so crazy but coming back oh, to man. movies because um, off mic the both of us um, made an agreement because um, you guys might have heard that out of our conversations I'm not that big of a, of a movie guy but I would love to keep on our movie conversations and w- maybe we could try this one thing Mm -hmm. where you would give me one movie to watch until the next episode. And then we could have a conversation about it. And maybe we could start with this next week.
1: That sounds like a great idea. Okay. Um, let me see. What was the last, um, few movies I watched? Okay. So you, um, yeah, you said you saw that movie. Oh, did you ever watch the original Old Boy? No. There you go. Let me look up the year. There's two versions. There's one from the early 2000s, and then there's one that was remade by Spike Lee, and it has Josh Brolin in it. Don't watch that
3: one.
1: <laughs> and if you need, I have the, um, the file, 2003. One word, Old Boy, just like that. Two thousand three. Yeah, it's a it's a South Korean masterpiece. It's from Park Chan Wook. a really really great filmmaker, and it is a thriller, mystery, action masterpiece. Okay, it's a masterpiece. It's 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 an amazing movie. We've to watch Old Boy. Two thousand three. Definitely that one. And if you have trouble finding it, just text me because I have the file. I I saved the movie with the English subtitles and I can send it to you. So, that'll be for the next episode. Nice. Um, I think just because of the time, if we want to listen to some of the new mixes off mic, it might be a good time to, to call this episode, <laughs>
0: if that's cool for you. That's super cool for me. That might not be cool for our listeners who are super interested in the new record, but... <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys, you have to wait Sorry, a bit. guys, you have to wait. And maybe <laughs> if we can figure out this idea, you'll get some stuff before yeah the album, but we won't promise anything here.
3: Yeah, but exactly. What, we can, who, yeah. what
0: I can promise... Mm-hmm. From a from a point of view of someone who has not been part of this album production, this is going to be great. For those, it's who, totally yeah. worth to wait for it. Whenever the final release will be <laughs> in July two thousand twenty-five. Yeah, twenty
1: twenty-eight <laughs> exactly. It'll hopefully be worth the wait. I don't know if it's worth that kind of wait, but Uh, thanks so much for listening to get today, guys. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Eileen. Make sure to check out the Lone Dining Society. That's her band on, on YouTube and on Instagram. Um, And she has a choir, Die Vogel. The Birds, um, and her new track that they covered was Bang Bang from Kill Bill, Volume 2. If you enjoyed today's episode, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Please give us a good rating, a review, a comment, share us online, or even just tell a friend, because word of mouth goes such a long way for shows like this.
0: And if you want to have a personal version of any song of your choice covered by the amazing Jordan Prince... Just DM us on Instagram at immigrants Could be anything. I still can highly re- recommend. If they show us that they shared the show with three friends, that's a thing. Right. And then you will get a personal message <clears throat> plus a song of your choice. Right. And anyway, and what you say? Go and check out our Instagram. And what's your normal thing? Like to write us an email if they yeah, have any questions you, or comments. If you have anything to say to us, whether whether you hate or love. Oh or, yeah, what are
1: your thoughts about like the visa debacle, like making your own private visa? Yeah. If you have a different opinion from us, write us in podcast at m945.de. Or if you have any thoughts about something from Eileen, if you want to contact her, if you want to contact us about anything, feel free to write in. We love to get new messages.
0: Or if you're an activist immigrant or no one or have any form of topic you want us to the least to touch on, just <laughs> If you want us to touch you, send us an email <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Or your friends <laughs> uh, Just mail us <laughs> Podcast at m945.de Thanks a lot guys Have a great day Bye bye Look
3: out baby The saints are coming through
2: Man It's all over now
0: Artsy Farce Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.